0: Hello and welcome to We Came From The 80s, the podcast where we talk about movies we thought were cool.
1: I'm your parent, I'm... <laughs> no, you're my parent. <laughs> <laughs> Too much sugar. Fuck
0: <laughs> <Black> you all. <laughs> I'm your host, Farron. And I am the Shadowed Mapes, the housekeeper. And I'm joined by Heather, a creepy chick who won't stop asking me about my homeworld. And Raimi, a 500 pound fat man who floats around and has a skin problem. Hello, everyone. Hey, Farron.
2: Tell me about your homeworld.
0: So, today we are covering the 1984 questionable masterpiece, Dune. And for some vital statistics, it premiered on the 14th of December, 1984. It was directed by David Lynch. It was written by David Lynch based on the brilliant novel by Frank Herbert, which I'm sure he's rolling in his grave over it. it stars Kyle MacLachlan, Virginia Madison, Robert Jordan, Jose Ferreira, and Patrick Stewart. And let's, of course, not forget Sting. So it cost $40 million to make and uh, only uh, only made $31 million. Proved to be a problem for, you know, Universal Studios right so this was like the second attempt at this movie uh, in the 19, 1973 a, a Chilean director named um, Alejandro Jodorowsky tried to make this and he and it was like this really it was just messed up like Salvador Dali you know the, 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 uh, the artist with yeah. the Dripping Clocks he was going to be the Emperor they had Orson Welles in it uh, Mick Jagger was going to play uh, Fade Rautha actually Mick Jagger is a pretty decent actor who else do they have in it? yeah it's it was just really weird. They of course the movie never got made because this guy was gonna it was gonna cost like thirty million bucks in the seventies and, and this was before Star Wars, so yeah, that wasn't gonna fly. But there's a really great uh, documentary about it called Yodorowski's Dune. and it's like I wanna see them animate this because it was do you think this movie's messed up? Oh my. The animation was? Or they well, didn't do uh, it? They never did it, but I would love to see it done in an animated way. Oh, yeah. Because there's no way you could film like it the Yodorowski version is so batshit crazy it makes this look normal. Right. And this has got a lot of David Lynch weirdness to it. So it's almost it's almost for the best that it didn't get made. Right.
1: You're yeah. my Farron.
0: Yeah, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> my name is not a killing word. <laughs> so had either of you seen this before? Like you'd you'd not seen it, right, Remy? No, this
1: was the first time. And what'd you think? It's pretty good. And and the interesting part for a viewer who hasn't seen it, with Farron who is a bit of a geek. Uh, nerd. I don't know what say. the word... I don't know what the acceptable terminology is. I'll take, I'll uh, take nerd. I'm good. He's, uh, he's a Dune um, connoisseur, so... It's my um, favorite book of all time. Watching it with Farron is pretty cool, because uh, if I wasn't watching it with Farron, it's a pretty good film. I could watch it and follow it, and it was... Good. Uh, watching it with Farron to learn that there's so much more to what's happening. And yeah, and it's, uh, like Farron said, we could pause it every 10 minutes and talk for an hour on what's missed or happening or whatever. So it's kind of really neat to see a film where for a viewer, you can just watch it, but with somebody who's got some more expertise behind the scenes, to know there's so much more is, it's kind of intriguing. And that's why when you say the animated version, it'd be kind of cool because they could put so much, they could put so much more into the animated version because the sky's the limit on what you effects, can do. Yeah, yeah, so. Like that. Well,
0: that's the thing. The effects in this are, even for 1984, they're pretty bad, especially anytime you can tell they're doing it on, like on a
1: green screen. It's like, oh, I can see the black outline around the person. Like, but, And you think this is a movie, a sci fi movie, that's coming after Star Wars and Star Trek. And it's 84, not. 84, yeah, there have been. Three, it doesn't live up to the sci fi yeah. uh,
0: effects. They poured all the money, I think, into costumes and set, which are amazing, but yeah. So Heather, you've you've seen this, yeah?
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Uh Do you remember when? Not really. The first time I saw it would have been on TV. Uh my mom liked the book, so she watched it on TV yeah. and being eighties, everyone <laughs> watched it
0: on TV. Yeah, like Super channel or something like that, or
2: that's a little high end for us. Fair enough. It was like Sunday afternoon.
0: Yeah, ABC had it. uh, Yeah, exactly. And that's actually how I knew there was a director's cut. Sometime in like midnight on one of the ABC like late shows, they showed a scene from the movie and I'm like, hang on, I've never seen that scene before. And I'd seen the film many times. And I realized, oh my god, there's like a director's cut. And what it was is someone had sort of someone at Universal had sort of bootlegged together. They got rid of the more violent, gory parts because it's like, you know, it's ABC, right? So then they put together this sort of bootleg crazy extended cut, which eventually got released as a DVD like more properly. But yeah, they threw in all sorts of extra scenes to fill in the time, but yeah, it's, uh,
1: it was a long it was a long movie.
0: Actually, this is the thing. It's not. It's, in my head, I had it that it was three hours and I actually planned for that. Oh okay. until a
1: few weeks ago I went hang on, it's only two hours 16. I thought it was much longer. I couldn't imagine it an hour longer, though. The, I yeah, guess, the
0: extended edition is an hour longer, and it does not benefit.
1: Not everyone had Cole's notes uh, Farron to watch with, and I an extra hour maybe could explain a few more things. But yeah,
0: well, there's a lot more. They show they sp- explain a lot. You see a lot more interaction between the Fremen and Duke Leto, and all this sort of thing. Like, there's a lot of really neat scenes, but because David Lynch didn't understand, by his own admission, did not understand the book, this was never going to work. Like, I saw this, like I said, Dune is my favorite novel. Frank Herbert is my favorite author. But I had not read the book when I saw the movie. And I saw this movie dozens of time on Super, times on Super Channel. You know, they'll show it like three or four times a week. And when you're, you know, when you're a nerd, Farron, and you don't like seeing your friends over the summer, see so you hang out at home, you see it a few times. Uh, it's funny because when I decided to start reading the books, I, for whatever reason, they were, it was just after he passed away, in like 80, 86 he passed away, Frank Herbert. Just after he wrote the sixth novel, and they started pumping out all of his books, so I thought maybe it's time to read it. But I couldn't find Dune, I could find Dune Messiah, Children of Dune, God Emperor of Dune, Heretics of Dune, Chapter of Dune, the other five, but I couldn't find Dune. I thought maybe I'll just watch the movie and then go read the second book. And in the end, I thought eh, maybe I ought to wait and read that first book. And holy shit, am I glad I did because night and day. Like they really, really are, but yeah. So I, I saw this. I didn't see this in theaters. My parents would. I could not have made them take me to this at gunpoint. I saw it on Super Channel, like you, um, also on TV, and I got it. Like yeah, I mean, you I, look.
2: I didn't the first time. Yeah, uh, as a as a kid, was like this is too weird for me.
0: Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like it's th- that's why I almost didn't do it. I was worried because you're not like really into sci-fi, right? I mean, like super into sci-fi. Like, you're not the geek that heather and i are right. and i was worried that this would just be like you'd be going with the f- what the hell is going on
1: yeah and that i mean with i i guess i come from the good mix of it but we grew up just doing different stuff mm-hmm. we weren't yeah so we uh i can appreciate mm-hmm. a good sci-fi i love star trek star wars yeah. I, I love all that stuff from the 80s and it's just i found this to be uh yeah to be good i yeah. i yeah surprised by it i was expecting a little more of a Mindfuck, as you call it.
0: Yeah, well, and that's the thing. Like, it's sci-fi has a, a language of its own, and people who, like, if you say in any sci-fi, if you talk about a wormhole, immediately anyone who's into sci-fi knows what that means. Right. It's a sci- you know It's a real scientific theory. einstein rosenbridge I think, is what it's called. But that's a language all its own. But if you know nothing about sci-fi, you don't have that underlying vocabulary. And this movie is really out there to begin with. Like, it's 1960s. I don't think it was drug fueled, but it might might very well have been. Like it's it's that sixty psychedelic crazy shit. And these like
1: we were talking about the author there a second ago. Do these do these directors talk to the authors when they do these books? Like he's saying, Oh, I'm embarrassed by it. Why does the author, yeah. Does Dave, David Lynch not talk to... He did. Um, he did a book, and I've got it on the shelf, uh,
0: called I, which is just a collection of short stories, one of which was a Dune story that Frank Herbert wrote. And it was published just after the movie came out. And he talked about it, that you know he had met with David Lynch once or twice. And, you know, he liked some of it, and he didn't like some of it. Look, he was being diplomatic. He couldn't say, oh, my God, this is a, a steaming pile of crap, which is what, like, who was it who did that? Was it... Uh, Stephen King had said that in one of his books, like, this is garbage, I disown, it. and, you know, no one touched his work for 10 years. Frank Herbert didn't want to do that. He was hoping his other books would be made. But, you know, he was sort of okay with it. But, yeah, in some cases, like, I would say, I'm sure J.K. Rowling had a lot more to do with...
2: I believe she did, yeah.
0: With the movies, like, the Harry Potter films. Right. Stephen King, he used to say, take the check. And walk away. That was his advice to authors: take the check when they buy the rights to your book, and walk well, away, that must, that and don't worry about what they do to it.
1: That must be what happened with the Jack Reacher. Uh, you know, it's funny. I watched those recently. As I a, only seen one of those, and I, like I read a ton of the books. Yeah. yeah, I read a ton of the books, and I mean Jack Reacher is this six foot five, command attention <laughs> when he walks into uh, a room, Jesus, yeah, and one. Tom Cruise is five foot ten and a Scientologist. Like it, it was so separated. <laughs> Wait, he's not a
0: he's not a fighter. Pilot. <laughs> what the
1: hell? Yeah, <laughs> ruined it. He's not rad either. Um, but uh, but yeah, we. Uh, it, it's just interesting that we talk about that, and the guy, the director says, "Oh, I didn't understand the book," and it's like, "Why don't you go meet with the people that know the book?" Yeah. It's the same with this. Like, how did the author of Jack Reacher say? Yeah. This is our guy. I think Lee, Lee Child, or is that? No, I think it's the other. There's two authors that I'm reading, but yeah, either way, I'm just like, that is not Jack Reacher. Like, how could you get so far away from it? And the storyline is very similar to yeah. that. In this, you're saying it's not that close. It's well, just an interesting. It's, it, it,
0: you put it perfectly when we talked about The Last Temptation of Christ. It's like fan fiction. It's like,
2: yeah.
1: it's not quite that bad here. How do you Hollywoodize it? Hollywoodize it? And That's part of
2: it. Let's see. I have this problem with a lot of novel adaptations: mm-hmm. is they they take a a story that takes place over like six years and which is s- yeah, Dune
0: takes place over six years or
2: something. Smush like that, yeah. it into a two-hour movie, and they have to skip a lot. Yeah,
0: there is no way. So it
2: it becomes disjointed and, and yeah. it doesn't make sense. Yeah, and, like
0: even with Lord of the Rings is a good example. Those movies, like the extended editions, I think they did a wonderful job. They did, but they but Peter Jackson. And Fran Walsh, his wife, and Philippa Boyne? Like They're a writing team, the three of them. When they sat down to do The Lord of the Rings, they did it, they treated it like, like it like they were delivering religion unto the people. Like they were dead serious. Like the artists they used were the two guys who've been drawing Tolkien's work, the author, for decades. Yeah. It, they worked as hard as they could, and then they just shit the bed in a couple occasions. Well, like really shit the bed, yeah, like yeah. the Army of the Dead. Oh my god! Nothing's perfect. Um, yeah, but they they did a like they worked really hard. Whereas David Lynch, this is when he was starting to get really popular, and David Lynch is very full of himself. I'm Dave. He's all like uh, Tim Burton. Oh right. I have my way of doing things. Stand aside, yeah. peasant. The I'm going to pro- make
1: this amazing. Um... Yeah,
0: and and the problem was is that like thi- pe- this movie is one of these movies like the like the or this book Dune by Frank Herbert, which was published in 64 or 66 it's considered unfilmable like Denis Villeneuve who did Sicario and The Arrival the it was Amy Adams was in that one but really good movie about the aliens yeah, arriving or trying Alps, uh, to figure out how to communicate with it and he also did a Blade Runner 2049 he's doing this film he's going to tell it over two movies just the first book yeah Dune is divided into three like Dune the first novel is like book one book two book three and book one which is like 200 pages yeah. is all is all the before they arrive on Arrakis.
2: If it, if it takes me nine hours to read a book, how can you t- tell the story in two?
0: Oh, it takes you nine hours to read six hundred pages. I'm very impressed, but I, I know what you mean. Like it's, it's, yeah, there, it, it's just, it's, it's not possible. Yeah, like it's. I should see how big it is. I bought this book five times. Oh, not even.
2: No, that's two hundred
1: eighty-seven pages. Five hundred
0: thirty-seven yeah, in that that's, little that's book. That's not
2: a nine-hour book. That's like a six-hour book.
0: My God. It includes... Like, the book includes a glossary. It includes a map. Because right. they never tell you what Shai Hulud is. Hmm. you got to look that up and you go, Oh, that's the Fremen name for the worms. Remember I said they are... The, all the worms collectively are God. Right. And their word for God isn't God. It's Shai Hulud. They never talk about what a stillsuit is. Here, they explain what a stillsuit is. Kynes explains it. They don't do that in the book. They just say stillsuit and you go, Oh, okay. You flip to the back. Oh, okay. A stillsuit's a... You know, it has catch pockets, and it, it absorbs your sweat and, and the water from your urine and your feces, and it keeps you going in the desert. You just have to... But, but Lord of the Rings is the same sort of thing. The Lord of the Rings, remember, is one book. Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, Two Towers, Return of the King. It's all one book. It was published in three sections because they had a paper shortage. That's the only reason. But about, I'd say that the last third of Return of the King is all glossary. They don't explain it. Keep up, buddy. That's really what Frank Herbert was saying. Yeah, keep they, up. As-
2: they assume you know the language when you start.
0: Yeah, and if you don't, you'll stop and you'll look through it. He used the, like the Fremen. Obviously, are very much a, a representative. Like they're meant to be Arabs, Franklin. Right. That that's this is almost Lawrence of Arabia in many ways. They just like like science fiction should explain itself to some extent. But Frank Herbert, keep up. And, and he, and, you know, and that's fine, but that's made the movie, like, here, you get the internal dialogue. They literally have people whispering into the microphone, and it's played over top, and you're actually hearing their thoughts. A lot of people complained about that. You know, like, uh, even, for, even was it, uh, uh, Roger Ebert said, like, this movie's a mess. Like, what are they trying to do? What are they trying to explain? Like, it's the year 10,191, but that's not AD. It's 20,000 years in the future, but they don't explain that. They actually record, like, the intro into this one with Princess Arulan in the beginning going like, you know, oh, and one more thing I forgot to tell you. Like all that, like it's, what? what is that, two minutes?
3: A beginning is a very delicate time. Know then that it is the year 10,191. The known universe is ruled by the Padishah Emperor Shaddam IV, my father. In this time, the most precious substance in the universe is the spice melange. The spice extends life. The spice expands consciousness. The spice is vital to space travel. The Spacing Guild and its navigators, who the spice has mutated over 4,000 years, use the orange spice gas, which gives them the ability to fold space. That is, travel to any part of the universe without moving. Oh yes, I forgot to tell you, the spice, exists on only one planet in the entire universe a desolate dry planet with vast deserts hidden away within the rocks of these deserts are a people known as the Fremen who have long held a prophecy that a man would come a messiah who would lead them to true freedom the planet is Arrakis, also known as Dune.
0: In the Extended Edition, there is a ten minute introduction. And it's a good introduction. And I almost sent you the like the, the YouTube link to it. I want
1: to watch that, yeah.
0: But it's it's the history of the entire Imperium going back to the Great Machine War, which you know was sort of the arrival of their religion. Uh, and the elimination of thinking machines, and, the, and, and, like, it's everything you wanted to know to understand this movie, but it's ten freaking minutes long, and Universal said, no! Like, it's it's very frustrating, and they've made this movie since, by the way. They've remade it. Uh, the Sci-Fi Channel, I remember in 2000, did a six-hour miniseries of just the first book. Oh, wow. So. With William Hurt as Leto, and, like, it was big. Ian McNeese as Baron Harkonnen. Like, it was a big deal. I mean, as much as sci-fi in the 2000s could afford it. Um, and Cody makes a guest starring role. But, you know, like, they didn't have the money, but they had the time, like, they had six hours worth of movie, and they still missed a ton. The, in, in, the, in the miniseries, Dr. Uh, Yui, not the traitor, he appears when he shoots Leto and Tranks. Him. Oh. We don't even see him before then. The entire thing on Caladan, they left it out. Even with six hours, literally three times the length of this movie, they still leave tons out.
1: Yeah, it's tough to, to adapt a lot of detailed books like that. It's, yeah. it's tough. I mean, there's just so much information that you can write in a few words that's so hard to put to, to screen. Well, so. yeah,
0: like any one of these characters, like Duncan Idaho. I could tell. I could spend ten minutes talking about Duncan Idaho and why he wears a a uniform that has no badge on it, despite the fact that he's extremely high ranking. Why does he refuse to wear his medals and his rank badge and any of that? There's a reason for that. Why is it that everyone is so paranoid about Paul Atreides? They never talk about. It? There are podcasts dedicated to Doom. That's all they ever talk about. Is there's no way this film can, or this book could be, I mean, use air quotes, properly translated? And I think Denis Villeneuve is going to bleed himself dry on this one I don't think that movie ever gets made I, I I don't I I think he's got the chops to make it he's got the skill he's an amazing filmmaker Danny Villeneuve as as skilled as he is I think he's gonna he's gonna burn himself up on this film e- every time a director says I'm gonna do dune windmill get it you know this is Don Quixote chasing the windmills no one ever manages to get them and this film is a perfect example like they spend how much of this film just explaining shit to you so you don't go
1: what yeah well, <laughs> they, yeah they have like a voiceover uh internal dialogue internal dialogue they've got the voiceover saying now they've traveled to the planet blah 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 yeah. for this reason yeah so yeah. it's and and, and, the,
0: and the characters explain shit to each yeah. other entire scenes where all they do is explain and still there are people like i showed this to a uh woman i was dating once and 20 minutes in she said stop like stop i'm done now and this is someone who read science fiction
1: time for adventures and babysitting well
0: no i don't know what no but it's uh, yeah no um (laughs) a movie we will not be doing on this podcast actually we might someday who knows it's i haven't
1: seen it It was a childhood movie i haven't seen it forever but i'm I'm pretty sure i just remember the tow truck driver you're gonna be sick yeah no my my kid will be
0: sick. and you can't come god i I gotta sorry tow
1: truck driver i remember him thor
0: yeah I think I, I, yeah, but, so anyway, yeah but, but it's like you know as a kid I got this film I had no trouble understanding it but I'm weird I'm the guy who gets Shakespeare the first time I and
1: you it. read the book prior to no that's what I'm saying Remember, oh, I, right.
0: I hadn't read it I thought I could go right into oh, book I see. two oh, right. if I had gone into book two with just this movie thinking that was the plot you would have been confused I would have been so confused What? what, what do you mean it didn't Rain. I don't understand. And who's Princess Urulan? She that's her there. Um, By the way, if you're wondering why she narrates it, she's Paul's wife at the end of the film. That's how he becomes emperor. Oh right. He marries the emperor's daughter, the emperor retires, and she and the whole second book is about her trying to stop Chani from having Paul's child because she wants the heir to the throne to be the old family line. The old her father's family line. It's all about that and An attempt to kill Paul. It's, the second book is called Dune Messiah. It takes place nine years later when trillions have died and all that. But, you know, it's I got it, but I know a lot of people don't. And I always thought this was like a huge success. Turns out, no, it was a disaster.
1: That was why it was an issue for Universal.
0: Yeah, you think. Um, yeah, it was an absolute disaster. And it's under- like, so we'll sort of go through it and we can sort of see why. Actually, first we should ask, what stands out to you? So you've seen this before. What stands out to you this time watching
2: it? I, uh, I'm pretty consistent on that one. I like, I like him taming the worms. Okay. I like riding the worms. I think they're cool.
0: So it's a particular scene that stands out to you?
2: No, just the in, in general, all the all the worm riding scenes. Okay. okay. Not counting the super lame green screen. Yeah. The the, 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 the running beside it and the yeah. Uh, I, I like the worms. I was honestly, I was cheering for the
1: worms. Fair enough.
0: What about you? What stands out?
1: Uh, I I thought it was a good movie in the sense that I was able to follow it without, um, loosely follow it, and it was entertaining, kind of grabbing that way. I was expecting something a little more dry than it was. And, uh, yeah, I thought they kept it moving. I thought they kept it moving well, especially if there was so much to explain, and it was a lot of explaining. They somehow managed to keep that from being really dry. Mm
0: -hmm. But for me, it's Patrick Stewart. But to me, he's always been gurney. The long hair, man. Yeah, like I've seen other actors play Gurney, like in the in the two thousand miniseries. But Gurney, in my mind, is always going to be Patrick Stewart. It was like Richard Jordan playing Duncan Idaho. That's always what Dun- Duncan Idaho has a very special place in my heart, which I won't bother explaining in the podcast. But maybe I, maybe it'll come up later because it actually defines why I dress the way I do. Believe it or not.
2: He there's a purpose to that, eh?
0: There is. <laughs> Believe it or not. The, the reason I drink, I dress in, there's two reasons I dress mostly in all black, and Duncan, Idaho is one of them, and we'll get Steve to it. Steve Jobs, the other one? No. Okay. No, it's not. <laughs> um, no. But you know, for me, what stands out is the art direction. It's like the Baroque look to it. Like it's gorgeous. The the design, like Castle Caledon with all the beautiful wood paneling and. The the looks of the clothing they wear, even Lady Jessica's wild uh, hairdo. I love the way the film looks, except for the Baron Harkonnen and his icky pus-filled face, which, as I explained, was David Lynch's way of making the Harkonnens evil without explaining why they're actually evil. Which is which is that, and Frank Herbert had a an unfortunate view of homosexual homosexuality. He assumed that homosexuality equated with pedophilia.
2: I think that was a prevalent 80s Well, thing.
0: 60s when he wrote it, but yeah. And oh yeah, he never really gave up on that disgusting and entirely wrong idea that any, any man who must be gay must, must like little boys. But that's what the Baron Harkonnen is. He's a pedophile. He, only, he has a daughter. He had to be seduced by a Bene Gesserit mother with all her mental and psychological and physical powers. That's what it took to get him to produce an heir. Here's where I blow your mind. His daughter is Jessica. Jessica and the mother is Mother Gaius Helen Mohammed. The old lady with the shaved head. That's Jessica's mom. So... What? You didn't know that? No. Yeah. The, The crazy nun, who's the true sayer to the Emperor, is the mother of Lady Jessica. And Baron Harkonnen is the dad. She seduces him, gets pregnant, goes off, raises Jessica as an orphan, trains her as a Bene Gesserit, sells her off to the Atreides, where she is meant to have a daughter, remember, with Duglito. Yeah. That daughter will be married to Fade, the Baron's nephew, and that will produce this Kwisatz Haderach, this super being. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that messes with
1: you. Because in the third book, Alia... The no, movie didn't mind fuck me, but you just...
0: <laughs> well, Alia, the, the little sister, yeah. she grows up. And she kind of loses her mind. And she's convinced that her grandfather, the Baron Harkonnen, is haunting her. Uh Oh. Like, she's absolutely out of her mind nuts. And she's convinced that he is haunting her. Because remember, she kills him. Yeah. And she knows it's granddad. She knows she's killing her grandfather. But, yeah, it's... There's a lot... (laughs) Yeah. Welcome to Dune. So, anyway, let's go through this film. Not every scene. But let's go through it and, and, and sort of see what we see. So, it starts off with Princess Irulan giving us this description of the world and it seems so silly to me like oh yes I forgot to tell you and she fades back in <laughs> you know, the, you know the, the, the spice only exists on this one planet. like why is that line in there oh yes I almost forgot to tell you
1: turn turn the get her back no get, get, no yeah. we're not done <laughs>
0: yeah because she keeps pulsing in and out and it's going that sort of psychedelic bullshit but it's just when she fades out and oh yes I forgot to tell you and she winks back in like
2: it's like when you forget to turn the page over in a test or something
0: yeah it just it's silly. In actuality, Princess Irulan is... Um, the, the book is, is peppered with quotes from a book she writes called Manual of Muad'Dib. She literally writes the book on her husband, Paul Muad'Dib. She writes his biography. Hmm. And so the book, every chapter starts with a quote from this this biography she's written of him years later. Hmm. This book's very much about history and your place in history. So she gives this this... You know this
1: narration. Did the narration make sense to you? Did it did, like, did it set yeah. the world for you? It did, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought they did a good job of that. I mean, they talk about the spice kind of is the thing of all things, yeah. and it's only on one planet, yeah. and who mines it has the power. Yeah, and the merchants get to decide who mines it.
0: Yeah, well, the, well, the emperor or does, the emperor, it. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So it's I, like that was kind of it, and then that, and then they go right into these two families that are fighting for the.
0: Yeah, they're yeah. Well, it's, there have been
1: feuding for years and years, and yeah. they're the ones that get to pick or the well, emperor picks between one or the other. He's fucking with them, yeah, yeah. So
0: yeah, so and then of course they get into the big you know the music, yeah, know, which is like, it's it's Toto, like you said, you don't get much more eighties than Toto. That's the one they do the uh, was the winds and or the rains in Africa. Yeah, which is a rocking good song, great song. Yeah. Um, it's one of my favorite songs. When they had that in Stranger Days, I went, "Okay, I'm home." You know, but yeah. So they had the music, and then you get you know the secret report within the guild, and they just literally lay it out for you. Planet Arrakis, home of the spice. Here's a picture. Planet, you know, Caladan, home of House Atreides. Here's a picture, and I like. I thought that was kind of neat. Like they just,
1: she's already explained it to you,
0: and now they're going to explain it again.
1: Well, and I think it's good, you know, they talk about he's the emperor of the universe. Which the no, well, the known universe the known is just universe.
0: another is a, is a way of saying the explored
1: galaxy. Right, but yeah. what they do is they narrow it down to this one galaxy. You don't have to think about, yeah. well, what's everyone else? What are the Klingons doing? No, what no, are they? no, no. It's you just, don't have to think outside of this because they narrow it down. Here's the galaxy. They actually show it. Here's the yeah. planets within the galaxy. They mm-hmm. actually show them. Yeah, And then you kind of go one planet to the other and yeah. you can follow along right out of what she's saying in the intro to yeah. so that. It's very like yeah. lucid. You're... Yeah.
0: In the books, like they've explored the entire galaxy. <clears throat> they've never found aliens. It's just all these books. I mean, obviously they are like the worms are aliens and whatever, but they are only in terms of intelligent life forms. These books only ever show you humans because humans have just spread out and, and inhabited the entire galaxy. So he, he, he rules a galaxy but, yeah, like, you're right. Like, they, they sort of explain it, you, know, here's the deal. Here's the command structure. There are many other houses. We only ever
1: see two here. And, and then just they... It keeps things on task. It keeps things specific so that you're not... keeps you from wandering away. Don't, what yeah. about this? Or what about that? You don't have to worry about that. Well, they
0: don't drown you. You could drown in this book easily. You right. could drown in, like I said, a 10-minute intro, and Universal just said, fuck no. And good for them. Because I think a lot of people would have walked out of the theater... Ten minutes to explain this movie, and we haven't started yet.
1: Well, and you'd feel you'd feel in a ten-minute intro, you'd feel like they're explaining the entire movie. Uh, <laughs> and the and Scary like, thing is, it doesn't. <laughs> right. Well, and that's that's the thing is. I mean, any other movie, a trailer is what three minutes. And Two three minutes. Most yeah. most trailers don't show the entire movie, but a lot of them you get a good gist of what's happening in the yeah, movie. You know what the movie's about. So yeah. you, if you're sitting there for five minutes, you're like, okay, are they gonna what? Are we gonna watch the movie, or yeah. are we just, are they just gonna close notice notes for it? Close ten notes minutes. minutes for us, and yeah,
0: the entire history of that's too long. Like The prehistory of this book for ten minutes. It's brutal. So then we get to see, you know, we the guild report ends with let's send an, a guild navigator to find out what the hell's going on from the emperor, and we get to see the emperor. And he sits on his, it's called the Golden Lion Throne. It's the idea um, that House Carino, that's the emperor's house, his family. Their symbol is a golden lion. So he sits on the Golden Lion Throne, and everything is gold. So, you know, he sits, I mean, he sits in this golden throne, in a golden room. I swear Donald Trump saw this and went, can I have that?
1: No, no, if you ask Donald Trump, he was there. It was was, was, you. I did it. It was was all mine.
0: So, and then, you know, we get to see... Bene Gesserit and we don't know what her problem is but the minute the, the, the guild shows up so the Bene Gesserit witch must leave. And that's a theme that they only sort of show in the movie that the Bene Gesserit, this crazy ass society of nuns, are viewed as witches. Not because like they can cast spells on you, but they're just powerful. They can read your mind, not because they're telepathic but because they just know human psychology so well they know what you're going to do. And this woman... Guy, the Reverend Mother Gaius Helen Mohame, who is remember Jessica's mommy. Mom. Though you won't learn that until actually I don't mean, you learn that to the second move second book, but you know, she's sort of sent out of the room and then sits on the other side of the wall and listens to the entire yeah, conversation. Yeah, they just decide, fuck it, she's psychic. She can hear through walls. Okay. It's clear that this emperor is not all that powerful. The guild shits all over him. He seems he seems to take, you know, the Reverend Mother's advice Really seriously, like he always seems to be listening to someone else. Like a figurehead more than a yeah, yeah, a, yeah. And pawn. they talk about in the book how he never wanted to be emperor, but his older brother died and he wound up with the throne or something. He wanted to be a librarian and he was never happy with it. But here you get the impression he's just weak. Well, Heather said she wants it. So the job, so okay. empress of the known universe.
2: Well, not if it's just a figurehead position.
0: <laughs> especially if the if the creepy she guild wants navigator. The power. <laughs> yeah, especially if the creepy <laughs> guild navigator shows up and yells at you and leaves that mess behind. Yeah. 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 yeah the,
2: the guy with the shop back did a shitty job. Shitty job. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the hilarious
0: thing. Like, it's all steam powered and crap like this, and he's like in this big fish tank, and it looks like a brain with eyes, and it leaves behind, like you say, all this water, and they're like, you're sweeping it, and it's, you know. Well, look, you look at these guys, you wonder how much you just sweat. They're all wearing this black leather. The costuming for them was shit. I see that. <laughs> you know, he, essentially, the emperor's made to explain. Again, here's this. The, we've already had Princess Irulan explain things, the guild report. Explain things, and now the Emperor's made to explain things that he's got the, the Harkonnens and the Atreides fighting, which is bullshit because they've been fighting for thousands of years.
2: Well, remember army lessons? I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you that I'm gonna tell you what, what I, I told, I told you. you. Yeah,
0: that's the way. And yeah. And
1: how do we learn in the army? My numbing repetition. repetition. Yeah,
0: yeah it's <laughs> but you know you, our entire like, infantry. Course. Like so, you know, if you look, it's ten minutes into the film. By the the time the guild navigator leaves the emperor's throne room. And we've been explained three times this plot. A little more every time. Irulan gives the background. The spice, a secret report within the guild, gives the situation as it currently stands in a little bit of detail. And then the emperor has to explain to the guild navigator specifically what's going on. That the Harkonnens are in charge of mining spice or throwing them off. We're putting the Atreides there, and he can't refuse, and he can't because he has to take, you know, you know, he sees his emperor, right? And then the emperor or the Harkonnens will sweep in using the emperor's Sardacar troops. These are these, like, the ultimate elite warriors, and they'll wipe out the Atreides. By the way, when they talk about wiping out House Atreides, they're talking about 35 million people. That's what Duke
1: Leto brought with him to Dune 35 million people. Well, and, the, and the navigator <clears throat> says, You must kill Paul Atreides. Paul Atreides. Yeah.
0: And they never, you know, they never. The, this whole damn book is about who Paul is and what he might be. They never adequately explain what it means to be the Quizat's Haderach. Like, I had to explain it to you.
1: They keep saying, he, is he the one? Is he the one? What is the fuck the, is one? the one? Yeah, it's the one? He just, when did we turn the Matrix on?
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. It is really frustrating. But the whole idea is they're trying the to Honor produce... Reeves is the one. Yeah, they're trying to produce a male version of the Bene Gesserit, who they can control, because women can't be... late. Like, the Lady Jessica cannot rule. Right, It's only its primogenitor. It's a, there's a medieval term for you. The, ma- the, the eldest male always leads. So the Bene Gesserit women can never be in the seat of power. They have all this predictive ability, but they, because they lack the male perspective and the male influence, they can't be as powerful as they like to be. So they've been you know arranging marriages for 90 generations. That's a long time. All to produce a male who does naturally what takes them decades of training, based on thousands of years of background to do. But they never explain any of that shit. And it's a little frustrating, because then he just comes off as this holy figure, and he's not.
2: He's uh, selectively bred.
0: He's selectively bred. He is exactly what... Well, he's one generation early. Almost. He's one generation early. Remember, Jessica's supposed to produce a daughter. She doesn't want... But because Duke Leto wants a son, and he doesn't need it from a wife. He just needs it from someone. Remember, she's his bound concubine. She's property. That's the one thing, that's an undercurrent that they never really talk about. It. Dr. Yui, the doctor, he's property. Purchased from the Sook's, the Imperial Souk Medical School. Uh Hawat, the Mentat, produced on the planet Plylaxu. He is purchased, he's owned. Duncan Idaho is a free man, but he's essentially bound to the service of the lu- Like, all these people are property in one way or the other. It's very medieval. So, ten minutes on, and we've been explained three times, and then we're off to Caladan. That's a cool scene because, like, it's so lush and beautiful, like, the, you know, the gorgeous crashing waves and, you know, the the castle looks like something out of, you, know, you expect a guy to fly in as a bat and, good you know. evening.
2: Yeah. Shadow sweeps down the stairs.
0: It, it looks like Castle Dracula. Yeah. But if you look, the whole thing's made out of wood. <laughs> and, but remember I said it, it's it's really interesting how the technology here, it doesn't look like technology. Like when Lady Jessica lets the Reverend Mother in to visit, it looks like a big, thick wooden door. But it opens on its own, and it's got a hand press on it, which is probably her you know, palm reader. It's just, these people have technology that is so advanced, you don't even notice that it's technology anymore. Which I think is kind of neat. You know, (laughs) they they got it just right. And then, what do we get? (laughs) More explanation! Paul's sitting at his desk... Studying. Studying. So we get to, we we then get to have Paul and the computer explain Dune to us. So now we're 12 minutes in and then we've had Irulan, the Spice uh, Guild uh, report, the Emperor, and now Paul. So that's the fourth, the fourth explanation of what the fuck is going on in 12 minutes. I'm starting to understand why this movie maybe didn't do so well in the theaters because it's been a 12 minute history lesson. And then of course we get to meet Paul Atreides, who's 15. I'm not sure how old Kyle and one. This is one
2: of the big problems I have with this. Because mm-hmm. yes. uh, one time I was a young adult, off a of night shift, and this was on, on TV again, mm-hmm. and that's when I actually got interested in it. So I finally read the book, and then I watched the movie on purpose. This dude is not 15. He's in his mid-to-late like 20s. Probably, yeah. Like... Come on, how how do I believe this guy is a coming of age story? Well, it's one of those
0: things. Name me a 15 year old actor you've seen who could pull this off.
2: Sure, but like late twenties. Come on, they, they yeah, could have
0: done better. I, I guess I'm curious how old he was. That's why I hate. His I'm looking hair. it up right now. I hate his hair, like with a passion. It's it's eighties hair, right? Like it's, it's 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 bad for eighties hair. Just look up Kyle McLaughlin's
1: age yeah, or his it. birth year.
0: Oh, yeah, I got it. 59. He was about 29. Yeah, he was about 25. 25. But if you think about like shows about teenagers, they, they usually choose people in their 20s because actual 15-year-olds are idiots. But yeah, he's too old. But it, it was that's, this was supposed it. to be Rob Lowe, who I think
1: could have done a better job because right. he looks younger. Yeah. It's, Same age, by the way. And they didn't dumb his...
2: Five o'clock shadow.
1: Yeah, they didn't dumb his age down at all, which I think was an issue. I mean, they could have yeah. done his hair a little bit differently. They could have... He comes off as so mature And we all understand We all understand that casting 15 year olds doesn't work Very often, in glee Maybe it worked a little bit
0: even um, they I think
1: nothing, were older, yeah, even no then they and even then was pretty ho- yeah and they all have all ended up in prison or Dead so maybe not the best example of a show <laughs> oh, Jesus. but uh,
0: and we just lost 20 customers uh, 20, 20 yeah. listeners he doesn't
1: right? like Glee oh no <laughs> I watched a lot of it um, but, uh, but yeah I mean they could have it's funny when you have casting directors and stuff he does come across as not yeah. 15 not that's 15. a if if that's an important well, uh, feature is, the, to the is. story and yeah. stuff like that the thing it, is it's not the, well
0: in the book he's he's meant he's 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 hyper intelligent he's naturally a mentat sort of thinking human computer. He is well above his age. But you know when they did the when they did the uh, the, the mini series, they also used an actor who was about the, that age, 25. But they they made him slouch a little bit and they cut his hair in a more childish way. And as the miniseries progressed, they let the actor grow his beard and like they showed a progression of age, right? Like, Whereas here
1: he looks the same
0: if, the whole if way through. If
2: Karen hadn't told you would you have known he was supposed to be a teenager? No idea,
1: no. Yeah. No. No, I would have pegged him at, like, well, a kid, so maybe, maybe teenager, like yeah. 19. Well, but, when he, he, has have... a, he
0: has a child with, Ch- with Chani, which they totally blow over, a child who's killed by the Harkonnens. He's 17 when he has this kid. But, I mean, if you, you see that, as a good example. When you see him, he's sort of bare-chested. You can see he's got very defined pectorals. Find me a 15-year-old who isn't pumping iron every day, who has a body that, like, he, he has a very adult body. And they mostly do a good job of hiding that, but sometimes they really don't. You know, when he's
2: when he's standing beside his father, he's broader.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's also they has you know he's got those he's got those. So does his father. Yeah, the uniform. He's got the uniform with the the eighties shoulder pad thing going. But you know, like they introduce him to these you know to these other Patrick other characters. Stewart, Patrick Dr. Stewart as Gurney Halleck, who's his who's
1: military trainer. He's a military.
0: Ironically, he's the Duke's musician. Oh yeah, and he also tra- he also trains in combat. And then Thufer Hawat, who's the Mentat, and also the Master of Assassins. And then Dr. Yui. And actually, that scene's almost word for word. He says, I, mean, he says, I don't want to do shield practice. I'm not in the mood. And Gurney Halleck says, you know, mood is a thing for cattle and love play. That's actually, that, that's, that line is right out of the book. And he hammers the shit out of him. And that's actually how the fight ends, with passing this blade. Because if you move slowly, you can move through a shield. Well, yeah, and I thought there was know.
1: some foreshadowing there in the final fight. That's what was going to happen, and then they There's just a fight duel, yeah. then, sure, no, hand right. to hand with no shield. Yeah, and um, so I was like, they why? never
0: explain that because it, you can't use them in the if you use them in the open ground, it drives uh, worms into a killing frenzy. No yeah. shields and no shields on Dune. Oh wow! They used yeah. it
2: once though, uh, D- Duncan at the at the end just just before he died, and they had this. He, yeah, he bowls over. They them. They had the special bullet that moves slow and penetrates. Yeah, the shield,
0: that's yeah. the movie though. I think. In the book, he actually escapes. He's he helps. Uh, uh, he's there to meet Paul and Jessica and help them on their way. And then he gets blown up. Huh. Though he's actually in all the other books. He dies and he's still in all the other books. I'll leave no, it there. But. I don't but- know his story. Well, start with the first book and move on from there. But reread the first book, really. But
2: in, um, in all my time,
0: yeah, yeah absolutely with your five year old. Watch the movie. I don't need to read the book. Yeah, you really, you really do. <laughs> I'm good. But yeah, like they introduce you to these three people, and you and, like you get the impression right off the bat that this guy lives like you. You, you look, he, you know, when Paul's quote unquote alone. What are there like two dozen soldiers like right there in the room with their guns ready to go? Like this guy lives under the constant threat of a Harkonnen assassin. They
2: live this way, and
3: I know, Thufer, I'm sitting with my back to the door. I heard you, Dr. Yui, and Gurney coming down the hall. Those sounds could be imitated. I'd know the difference. Yes. Perhaps he would have that.
0: Like, the whole point is this guy's 15 years old, and he's already being taught how on his home planet... In his in Castle Caladan, the safest place in the universe for this family, he has to be worried someone's going to shiv him. That's the one thing about Dune; it's a grim place to live. No one lives a good life. Everyone is miserable. Like finding one character who's happy, yeah. Like that's the thing about it. that's what the one thing that sort of keeps me away from the Dune books as much as I love them is that it's such a, like death comes quickly. It's expected. It's, everyone's out to get everyone. Everyone's out to screw everyone over, and it's. A little, it's a little rough. This is very much an explanation of, like, here's another, like, this whole scene is all, again, explanatory. Here's this thing, the weirding modules, which, you know, sound becomes a weapon, which I guess is a neat idea. You have a weapon that can shoot, and you have various settings. Instead of having to hit the stun button or the kill button, you say something different. I guess it's a neat idea. Eh, but none of it's in the book. Oh. None of it's in the book. You can't use lasers because when because they interact with shields and they cause like large explosions like if you're in the same room with a guy with a shield and you shoot him with they call them laser guns the room isn't there anymore when you're done like it's the, so this is a world where everyone has blades because shields have made lasers their type of laser useless but here you know like like you say it's there's only so much they can do so they want to make it an entertaining movie that you're going to sit through two, for 2 hours so they invent this weird thing with sound and it's like, okay. And like, the scariest training dummy ever.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, there's the, the training droid in uh, Star Wars.
0: Oh, the little ball the little that, ball that zaps you in the exactly. ass? Yeah. yeah, this one has s- spinning blades and... And they bolt. shoot out
1: and they look, you're I'm sure the director's like, I oh, hope that doesn't fall out again. Like It's like the ricketiest old <laughs> thing you've yeah. ever seen. And <laughs> then he looks at him and goes... And, like, shoots off the little spear on it or whatever. Yeah, but you look at, like, wow, one misstep, and you need the doctor. (laughs) Yeah, I hope you got your tetanus shot.
0: No kidding, eh? But it's kind of neat. And then we meet Duncan Idaho and find out he's going ahead. And here's a character we don't learn a lot about. Um, In the book, they intimate that he has an affair with Lady Jessica, and that Alia might actually be the daughter of Jessica and Idaho. That's a, a, it's one of those things they hint at in the book and they never confirm it. But, you know, again, it's like we're we're now 19 minutes in. we're still just introducing characters. And what does Duncan Idaho say? Well, Dad wants to talk to you. So now we get to meet Leto Atreides. And what does he do? Explains more. 20 minutes of nothing but explanations. But don't worry, because the next scene is him having a, a dream, which is a prophecy, and yet another explanation. Again, you start to see why this film maybe didn't do so well, because 21, 22, 23 minutes in, we're still explaining things to people. And then we get to meet, you know, the the crazy shaved-haired chick again, and she's there to, you know... This is my favorite scene, the scene where she has to test him yeah. with the box. Oh, right. And the idea is that, you know, the idea of being women have a higher pain tolerance than men, so you put your hand in this box... And it makes you think. Gives you the man cold. More self (laughs) (laughs) control. I've got the man cold. I need a nap. Yeah. And but I mean, like, it's (laughs) when you you imagine again, like, everything here is about death. It's a freaking test to see if he's as powerful as everyone's afraid he is, because they're afraid he's the Haderach. And if he pulls out, they kill him. They're going to poison him. Yeah, they got a literally a needle against his neck with poison with a poison tip, and you know he sticks the hand in the box and is like the hands on fire and melting and shit like that and.
2: Yeah, it's one of two scenes that stuck with me from the first time i saw it as a kid two scenes stuck in my head this one and the the worm riding the one. worm
0: riding yeah this scene while i was telling you like he, he has this litany against fear the itching
3: becomes burning heat upon heat upon heat silence silence, silence! i must not fear
1: fear is the mind killer and fear is the little death that brings total obliteration
3: Face my fear. I'm ready to pass over me and through me. I must not feel flesh. I do feel crispy. Death brings darkly obliteration. I will face my fear.
0: It's this long thing that he has taught, and it's really just a mantra. But I've used that. I've used it, like I said. I had a, like I had a filling done, and I, I I don't like the dentist. I certainly don't like getting a needle in my head. So when this guy jabbed me like seven times with that Novocaine needle, what am I saying under my like what am I saying in my head? I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. And you know what? it works.
2: I usually go with don't punch, him, don't punch,
0: do Yeah, but but if that works for you, like I remember one time when when I, when I was on my QL four training, they took us at CFP board and they took us to the the uh, the obstacle course, and it has this one obstacle where it's a you know a two story high ladder and then a rope grid ladder thing where you and then it leads across to another set of ladders you climb down i'm terrified of heights and i was actually saying the thing out loud and when it was over someone asked me are you like really religious were you praying like well actually and i told them what it was is oh my god you are the biggest nerd ever thank you yes i I appreciate that it's like he's looking at like what well the next weekend we went out the guy came back with a freaking book in his hand dune it's so like I gotta figure out where you got this from. And I flip through it and I point to it and it goes, Oh God. And I and you wound up reading the book. It's just it's a mantra. It's something that keeps your mind off things, right? This guy, like it's all about his mental conditioning. Like you really start to get the impression this guy, like he's a kind yeah. of a cut above. But they just do a kind of a bad job of
1: explaining it. Yeah. He does fear. And then the cool thing in the fear box, I think, is oh, I've never in women, children, everyone, I've never seen anyone have that long of a threshold or whatever. I'm like, yeah, yeah but you're Threatening to kill him, he has no choice but to have yeah, that. Yeah, what's he going to do? Yeah. But at
0: some point, you think like if I if I prick, if I pricked you with a pin, you would pull back immediately. Like that, thats instinct. That's the whole point. It's can he fight instinct or because if he's an animal, he'll act on instinct. If he's a human, he can control his instinct. Yeah. That's what she means. She doesn't mean literally. I'm not sure you're a human being.
3: Pain by nerve induction. A human can resist any pain. Our test is crisis and observation.
0: I see the truth of it. Could he be the one? It's that, are you, you know, in a world, you know, in a, in a universe with uncounted hundreds of trillions of citizens who are, you know, just low, you know, the peasant scum who just do what is, you know, who live their lives like animals? I mean, they probably live much better than we do, but the idea is that they can't control themselves the way Bene Gesserit can, can he?
2: And sh- she stopped it when he reached his. Threshold. Yeah.
0: She
1: wasn't going yet. She
0: wasn't no, going to kill no,
2: him. He, he, he reached he reached as much as he could take and he yelled and she stopped it. Yeah, yeah so he, he screams like, the pain. He smokes.
1: Yeah. That this is this person is a mind like has a very strong mind. Yeah. And that it's going to be important in the movie. Yeah. As it goes well, on. Because so that's important. Thirty minutes in, they're still explaining that it's yeah. going to be important in the yeah. movie. But we're not even
0: <laughs> done in the explaining, because now we get to see <laughs> Gidi Prime, home of House Harkonnen, and we get to see their fuzzy eyebrowed mentat, Peter Devraes, who uh, he's actually an interesting character in the book because, uh, when, when the Baron Harkonnen orders his mentat from the planet Tlilaxu, he says, make him addicted to drugs. So he's made to order. He is what he is because he's made that way because he's controllable because he's a druggie. Right. But it also means he's what's called a twisted mentat and he is pretty twisted. His mentats aren't supposed to, I mean, look, Fufur Howard's a master of assassins, but that's cold and calculated and strategic. This guy's a, this guy's Norman Bates. Yeah. With high tech and, and, eyebrows. And, hmm? and eyebrows and eyebrows, but he's played really for well days. by Brad. For days. He's played by Brad. Dwarf. He's played really well. Like you get the impression this guy would shank you if you sw- if he spotted mm. you, but only if it was part of the plan. Whose plan?
2: As you instructed me, I have
3: enlightened your nephews concerning my plan. My plan. The plan.
0: And then we meet, you know, the Baron Harkonnen, and again they couldn't mm. predi- they couldn't show that he's a homosexual pedophile. Um, so instead, they make him this pus-filled I- monster, icky, icky. Like his his one side of his face is nothing but scabs and pus pockets that you could stuff Boilers. lots boils of boils and
1: lots of stress in his life. Lots
0: of stresses, or this doctor literally there with a pick, and it's gross. Like it's. But it's meant to be, and you see the servants, one of them has his ears sewn shut, the other has the eyes sewn shut, and those little, it looks like, frankly, straws. black straws sticking out of his eyes. Like, the, this is a place where mutilation is the style, but again, that's that's David Lynch. That's 100% David Lynch. But the one thing they keep is that Fade Rautha, his nephew, who, by the way, will be the heir to the family, he's pretty. Okay, well, as pretty as sting could be, but the idea is he's this young, good-looking <laughs> boy, who, by the way, in the book is a duelist. His, he doesn't play soccer, he doesn't play football, he duels with blades. So it's not nearly the the foreshadowing in the book that it is in the movie that this will end with a a blade yeah. fight, because the Fremen have a big deal with one-on-one fights over honor. It, a lot of cult- cultures do. And Fade routha this is what he does for sports. So it's kind of going there. And, we, mm-hmm. a, and again, more explanations. Now we're 36 minutes in, and what are we on? Our sixth, seventh explanation? Now we know the plan, but the, the Emperor's already told us. They're going to sweep in, wipe out the Atreides. Now we only learn one new piece of information, which is that they have a traitor in their midst.
2: Every, every time there's a new character, we get a recap and then how they fit.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and then there's a new character, and, and yeah, you know,
1: how they fit, and a new piece of information in the overall plot. Mind-numbing repetition. Petition, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> our whole class did that every time they asked. That must be an infantry thing. We were medics. They we, want... we were not very smart. No, they don't say that. I just think.
0: Yeah. They're
1: just your infantry, but well, and uh, if we think we're dead, that's that's, that's true. If and if we don't think you're dead, yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so yeah. So now that we get to see them go to go to Arrakis, and and you actually pointed this out when you see the like inside the the Guild Navigator ship, you get to see the Guild Navigator project an image of Caladan and project an image of the Arrakis, folding space, folding as they call space, it, yeah. yeah, moving without moving essentially. It's a wormhole, really, is what it is, but. You would mentioned you thought it was a really good way of explaining how this works.
1: Yeah, it worked. I mean, again, they've, now they've let up. We have a pretty good idea of exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, it only took, them, only took them 40 minutes to show us. Now you have to get there. <clears throat> and how do they explain this moving without moving? And, and you know, they even say, when, I think when they're going up to the ship, because they like take these little ships into the big ship, yeah. and when they're going up there, he says, I've never done this before. Moving without moving or something like that, yeah. and he goes in, and then the way to explain it is they show the planet, they show the planet, and then he kind of matches them together. And yeah, away like, they go like,
0: yeah, light shoots out of his weird mouth.
1: I'm pretty sure it came out of his ass too, which I thought was I, I really was cool. cool. I think it was his maybe I both. I think it was his... both ends. It did
2: look like a butt. It yeah, it looked
1: like an anus. He speaks. Of. Yeah, he see how these people but speak out of asses. Them, <laughs> down there, killed him. <laughs> came so. out of the
2: big bulby end.
1: Oh, yeah, it's fair enough. A Either funny. way, I, there was a. I was like, is that out his mouth? Oh, that's out of his ass. Wow, that's an interesting scene. Yeah, but, that, that guy shoots light out of his ass. Yeah, yeah, it, of his ass. Yeah. I want that as a skill. Think of the money you could make in Vegas on the corner if you could shoot lasers out of your ass. Think of the you and I have, <laughs> you you of, you of have the, very different ideas <laughs> of superpowers. Think of the plumbing bills, he says. Yeah, it, says. But, so, yeah, like, that's yeah, it was a good... Really good scene. I mean, the except one except the special effects, man. Oh my god, the, they fail here. If, if you get out of this, like if you just take the average viewer and yeah. you put it into this, you know, we're 30, 40 minutes in where we have a good idea what the plot's going to yeah. be. And now they're <laughs> eventually they're, they'll actually show the plot play yeah, out <laughs> with 40 minutes of showing. Yeah, now they're <laughs> playing out the plot. And I, I think they did a good job. Of doing that for somebody that hasn't. I think now you can yeah. watch the movie, enjoy it, and maybe not take out of it what you would reading the book and knowing, but yeah. you take out of it that it, it's an yeah. enjoyable film. Try
0: to imagine a sci-fi movie these days spending this much time oh, yeah. explaining stuff. Any Fig-
1: superhero movie now, it's like Spider-Man was bit by a spider. Everybody knows the story. Yeah, that they was... don't need to spend 40, 40 minutes yeah. explaining it. You know, but that's because one...
0: everyone knows who Spider-Man is, but Spider-Man Homecoming... We... They they explained it in one sentence. Yeah, I got bit by a spider. Move on. Everyone knows a spider. Everyone knows.
1: Yeah, and I think that that. Yeah, I was was really impressed with that film. They've done that right. They they can dumb down an explanation for most movies pretty quickly. Uh, One that sticks to me that where they took longer but was an awesome build up was Iron Man. The first one? I knew nothing about Iron Man. Yeah. I, I'm not a comic guy. I watch that, and he's in the caves, and how he became Iron Man, and it's probably 20 minutes. Probably fil- 20, 30, 30, minutes, 30 yeah. minutes. Yeah. So same, yeah. similar situation, but it's an action driven. Not a, every time someone comes in, it's like, let's second, talk about this. Yeah. Let, let me tell you what we've learned so far. Yeah, but it is a comic book. It's way less
0: complex. Yeah. Than this, and but yeah.
2: certainly one version of the origin story. Well,
0: yeah, but that's the nature of comic of books. course. Yeah, I think of all the comic book movies I've seen. I've seen many. I think Iron Man does the best job of an origin story. It, uh,
2: it, it took a minor obscure character yeah. and, and launched him. Yeah. he yeah, was,
0: he was, was a a, he was a nothing. He uh, was a nothing character. I remember thinking Iron Man really? Yeah.
1: But um, I the, the but, point I make right, with that is yeah. just that you say 40 minutes in a sci-fi film now. Yeah. It would take no. forever. They, like it would be a disaster and it just shows that there's all these sci-fi movies out there that they can just like here's yeah. your story 5 minutes.
2: It's a learning curve though, right? Like Yeah. I'm so glad they figured it out and stopped doing that.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, part of it is, like we said, is people who watch sci-fi, and that's way more people than it used to be, especially with the popularity of comic book movies, the vocabulary of sci-fi and fantasy is much more prevalent than it was in 1984. True. Most of it, people going to see this movie in 84, if they dared to see it after seeing the, the trailer for this film, which is pretty wild and weird, <sighs> like you had to start from scratch. You, you had to take baby steps. Because the sci-fi people would have seen would have been Star Trek The Motion Picture and 2 and 3. And the Star Wars films, which are, let's be honest... I mean, Star, Star Trek is kind of... It's not surface. It's not desperately deep. But Star Wars is a millimeter thick. There's no depth to that. Sorry, Star Wars nerds. There's just not. There's not a lot of depth to that story. Yeah, Star Wars! But it's Star Wars, and it's awesome, and it's simple, and it's pulp. It's Flash Gordon and Buck Rogers, and that's fine. And it does it brilliantly. But... You don't have, you learn pretty much everything you need to know. Empire versus rebellion, good versus bad. The first shot is big, bad imperial ship versus tiny ragtag rebel ship. Like, you learn everything you need to know visually. There's a reason why episode four, Star Wars episode four, sorry, to me it's just Star Wars, um, is a brilliant, because it explains itself visually. This couldn't do that. Could you
1: imagine if they just jumped into this and didn't take 40 minutes to explain? <laughs> would you have any clue at all?
2: How long I, would that scroll be?
1: They would have just put me into this without you and without it, I'd have been like Well, but you said you would did enjoy I take some it. Acid?
0: Well you would you would enjoy it, but it wouldn't be.
1: Well, crazy. if they started it right here though, 40 minutes in. With them arriving on a rack. I would yet. have honestly been like, What is happening? Yeah. I need some more acid, or I need like it yeah. it's it gets a pretty wild. Well, that's why, by
0: the way, in Blade Runner. The, the, the theatrical edition had uh, a narration by Harrison Ford. The it, it should not have that. I was added later because people thought no one would understand the movie.
1: Oh, Blade Runner, yeah. Yeah,
0: so they added this. It, it turned it in very. I actually like it that way. It turns it into sort of this noir detective story from the 30s. But it was added because people were worried that they would watch this film and say, What the hell is going on here? <laughs> I think it worked. But it did it well because it presented it in a way that filmgoers were used to, which was the narration from the hard-boiled detective here it's it's explanation after explanation it's showing
1: how complex the book is trying to trying yeah that's it just yeah
0: yeah i don't blame david lynch he didn't understand it he's trying to do right by it but couldn't so then we get to dune and they show this weird shit of some random woman who looks sort of like the reverend mother going he comes from the outer world we have no idea who this person is
2: Now, the prophecy, one will come, the voice from the outer world
3: bringing the holy war, the shihad which will cleanse the universe and bring us out of darkness.
0: Other than she's a Fremen but she's got the blue eyes. We're not gonna learn from the 30-40 minutes that she's the Bene Gesserit Reverend Mother for the Fremen, which they never explain why they have Bene Gesserits, right? That I could spend 20 minutes of this podcast just explaining that, why it is this isolated group of natives in the middle of nowhere have Bene Gesserit mothers the same as the Emperor does. Please, please don't. No, I'm not going to. <laughs> but that's the thing, right? Like they just there's just no way they can explain this. And, you know, then we get to meet Duncan Idaho again. And like, who left said, yesterday? Well, look at yeah, that's the thing. They, they, it looks like
1: he left yesterday. Their time lapse was bad on this. Yeah. Their, yeah, their time was, lapse was a really of weeks bad. Tops. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And you get the, but my understanding is it was like six months. If I recall the book correctly, that like he's six, he, he went ahead by six months to work, to meet with the Fremen because Duke Leto wants to be a good ruler. He wants to be a benevolent ruler. He doesn't want to be like the Harkonnens have been because the Harkonnens, the reason they're being replaced, the Harkonnens, isn't just a plot to eliminate the Atreides, the Emperor has to replace him because spice production is down, because they're because the Harkonnens are brutal assholes, and they've brutalized the Fremen, and so the Fremen are like, fuck you, we're not working for you. So they can't keep spice production up. So Leto wants to be, because Leto's a good man, and he wants to be a good ruler. He wants the Fremen to think of him the way the people of Caladan do. They love him, which is actually why the Emperor wants him dead. He's worried that Duke Leto will try to topple him, ironically leto is a very loyal man he would never do this the emperor's his cousin he's not going to overthrow him right but again it's a world where everyone is constantly waiting for that shiv in the back did you imagine living like that well it's like game you know what this is it's like game of thrones yeah i guess that's true but but worse because death literally can come from a floating needle that passes through a a hole someone drilled in your wall like my god you know so we meet you know we meet idaho and we you know Really, the only bit of information we get out of him, because they cut all the scenes with him in the Fremen, is that there are a lot of Fremen out there. It's not a few. It's it's hundreds of thousands. And then, you know, we learn that there's a lot of, a lot of saboteurs out there. And remember how it says we're finding this stuff too easily. Again, it's this whole layer upon layer of conspiracy that, you know, if we're finding all of these sabotage devices what are we missing where
2: are the hard ones where the
0: hard ones you know again it's just everyone trying to knife everyone but uh,
2: this is the stuff that's left after they've been there for six months
0: yeah for a long time yeah it's
2: they sent their advance party and they're still finding this stuff.
0: and this actually this might be my favorite scene that we come up to my very favorite scene one exact gesture is that leto and paul show up in their newly provided still suits which are for the desert And they meet this guy named Dr. Kynes. He's the Imperial Planetologist. He's a bureaucrat. His job is to understand the ecology of Dune. But he's also the judge of the change. Because the Emperor doesn't want to send more people to make sure that the Harkonnens leave and the Atreides stay. So he says, fuck it, you do it. Right. You know, and he goes to show Leto how to use his still suit and just instinctively reaches to touch him and how it grabs him and, you know, all the... All the, all the guards point their guns at him. It's like, he pulls his hands up like, whoa, sorry. But the, I don't know why it is that strikes me so much. The level of paranoia, but also this level of they must be like, Duke Leto is everything. It's, it's a royal house. And so there's all this, like, there's so much effort into protecting the royal family. And yeah. I, I don't know why that I, quite often when I watch this film, I, I watch that quick little scene where Gurney Halleck jumps in and grabs him. I often rewind it and watch it two or three times. I'm not sure why. But I do. It's just... Maybe it's because I know Gurney. I know the character Gurney Halleck much more. That Halleck was a stray. It was a Harkonnen slave who Leto took in. Right. And so he's desperately loyal to the Duke.
1: Because he owes him his life. Well, it just shows everyone's out to kill everyone. Pretty much, so yeah. It's just like even this guy who's just want to show him how to use the suits what's in your hands what are you doing yeah exactly yeah, and it's, cool. it's really neat
0: and that's where they realize you know clearly that <clears throat> Paul's smarter than he looks because he knows how to put on a still suit never worn one never ne- seen one but I'm sorry the, the way they showed it it's like, it he, didn't, straps. It's like dude, he didn't two straps <laughs> this the stra- clips
2: behind your neck and that goes in your nose
0: yeah it's it's like all those sorts of things and they don't really
2: <laughs> I think it's the first time they quote from Prophecy though
0: yeah and, and, you should know your
1: ways like, yeah you've worn a still suit before no your suit is fitted desert fashion who told
3: you how to do that no one it seemed the proper way that it is he shall know your ways as if born to them
0: it's yeah because this is where we start to get the hint that maybe because really what it is is dr. Kynes he's known among the Fremen as Liet he goes native It's his idea to green Arrakis to eliminate the spice, so people will leave the fremen alone.
1: Chani, it's his daughter. Well, and then they they talk about who controls the spice. Yeah, controls the power. So they're trying to. Yeah, it's all it's all this. Yeah. This is
0: all about power, As because a, yeah. this is more important than anything. Like again, if people don't like what we were saying in the movie. All the royal families use spice because you can live to be two, three hundred years old. If you stop taking spice, you're gonna die. And so. To say nothing of, it's important for you know navigation. There is no interstellar travel without this shit. And Kynes understands that. But even he says, you know, is it a link between the spice and the worms? Who knows? He knows damn well.
2: It's it's worm shit.
0: Spice is worm shit.
2: <laughs> it's, they never know. really come out and say it though.
0: They never do. You're right. Actually, in six books, I don't think they ever say it. But it's clear. It's, it's worm. It's worm, it's worm poo. It's worm poo. That's all. That's all spice is. But uh, you know, they sort of fly out into the desert. And they make a big deal of showing sort of like the shield wall. And you know, you'd think they could have shown that a little better. The city of Arakeen, which is where the palace is, and they talk about the shield wall, it's a crater. It's a big meteor crater. And it's, of course, kicked up this massive mountain range around it. And that's where most people live.
2: Right. Because it the keeps state, the
0: desert out. Yeah. And so. beyond the shield wall is the deep desert. And they go off and they see, you know, we actually get to see, again, as much explanation as anything. But this is in the book, that they come across a spice harvester, and they spot a worm, right? And they realize the carry-all, this large airship, should come and pluck the spice harvester out to keep the worm from, you know, eating it. it has been shot down by Harkonnens. And so Leto is forced to evacuate these people on his own little ship. It's a neat scene, but it's... This is one of those scenes I think they could have left out. Like, Leto's going to be dead soon. We know that. They, they keep saying... The father's gonna die. I mean, how many times is his death predicted? Right to the camera's face. They probably practically look into the camera and go, Leto's going to die. Yeah. You know, so why show this scene if you're not going to expand on his character? But this is where we sort of learn that Le that you know Dr. Kynes is one of them as he starts to pray, remember?
1: Oh yeah. You know, yeah. blessed
0: is the maker in his passing, may he cleanse whatever. It's it's a prayer to Shy Hulut. This is in the book, this is actually where they clue in, and then he's in with the fremen. But they don't have a problem with that, they think that's great. The next scene where Jessica and the Doctor examine the household staff, including the principal from uh, from kindergarten. Cop, she's in there. <laughs> she is the shutout, Mapes.
3: The housekeeper.
0: Yes. Sorry, still the stupidest Crabble. line. Yeah, still the stupidest. May horses st- in the back. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> housekeeping. <laughs>
0: yeah. Fluff your pillow. They should have <laughs> used her and Tommy.
1: And <laughs> what is that movie? Tom. Uh, that was one of those funny movies with Chris Farley. Oh, I've never oh. seen. Oh, he's uh, like uh, housekeeping. Tommy boy, fluff your pillow. <laughs> yeah but
0: so you know we get to learn that we learn his wife was killed by the Harkonnens and they never actually tell you what it is is that uh the Harkonnens actually have killed his wife but he doesn't know that he thinks they're holding holding her hostage and that's how they get him to betray his house right like, like because remember he's owned by the Duke he has property but he's he's been he and he's supposed to be unbreakable but he's been broken with the belief that your wife is alive if you carry this out we will we'll release you to him and of course she's long dead but yeah it's Again, it's another one of those scenes, you know, we get this sort of the internal dialogue. You know, they must have killed his wife. He wants to say something, but he's holding it back. It's like, okay. You know, it's, again, it's more explanation. We're now 56 minutes into the movie, and they're still having to explain the plot. I don't think I ever really appreciated just how much of this movie is plot. is, is plot, is, Is the plot having to be explained to you while they play it out? Like... It'd almost be like they need David Lynch sitting on the corner of the screen, like in a Twitch video, explaining things, yeah, exactly. <laughs> explaining things as they go. And then we have the assassination scene, yet another one with the uh, flying. Arrow. Uh, the, I can't remember the name. I think it's just called a seeker or a hunter seeker. A hunter seeker. It's just a it's just a flying. Um, it's a flying uh, needle. needle yeah. yeah, a poison needle. But it only. But it. But because it's like it's so small, and because it has to have a like it, they, they talk about the suspensor field. It's what allows it to float. Because there's so much gear in there. All all the camera can do is see motion. And so the Shadowed Mapes walks into his room and almost gets stabbed by it. And that's where she introduces herself. Who are you? I am
3: the Shadowed Mapes. The housekeeper.
0: You know, and that's where we learn she's a Fremen. She knows there's a plot to destroy. Like, after he almost gets assassinated. By the way, there's a plot to kill you. No kidding. Really? (laughs) (laughs) I so much. (laughs) <laughs> thanks captain Obvious. <laughs> you know, she's she's in more of the book shout out Mapes has a more of a relationship with uh, Lady Jessica because she's the women folk she only deals with the housekeepers and that sort of thing she has no like lady Jessica is not sitting in on council meetings mm-hmm. with Leto and Paul and his generals and advisors and how she does her own thing she deals with the women she runs the house she runs the house yeah well you see even the even the military even the officers who come to speak to her and introduce, like, this is the household staff. That's where, you know, where Huey scans them. They're female officers. It's the only female Atreides officers we see are the two who speak to her. Right. You know, it's sort of like, um, you know, quite often uh, presidential daughters, many of their, their Secret Service agents are female. They can go into locker rooms with them and things like that, you know, for obvious reasons. Also, it, it seems less obvious when it looks like you just got another girlfriend with you and really it's... Someone with a gun and you know, and an earpiece, and the weight of the federal government behind them. But whatever. But yeah, it's you know, they find the they find the assassin. Of course, it's a Harkonnen right there in the palace. Gee, I wonder who let them in. Could it be the guy with the sweaty lip who wants to say something to Jessica? You know, it's what happened? Oh yeah, and then there's that night. There's the assassin. There's the end of House Atreides. So we're an hour into this film. This is one third of a 540 page book. It actually ends with Jessica and... It actually ends with them escaping. Like, crashing the the ship after they are hauled off into the desert. So, you know, halfway into this film, they've only told a third of the story, and they've done it mostly by explaining to us. And, you know, we learn that Yui's given them this poison tooth, which actually happens. They pulls a tooth out and puts in a poison one. And the idea being that he'll kill Harkonnen, because, look, Huey knows this. Not Huey, it's not... This isn't Donald Duck's nephew, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. But uh, the turf, the turf. Yeah, like he knows. He knows. He's, he wants to get the son of a bitch. So he, you know, he plots the assassination, and it's just one thing that drives me nuts. If you see it here, he's always sweaty. Everyone in this film is always coated in sweat.
2: Well, it's desert, I and mean, he's wearing
0: a lot of clothes. Yeah, yeah and it was filmed in Mexico. And that must have been in the summer, no less. They filmed this in the summer in Mexico. That was some good thinking there. Dino De Laurentiis, he's the producer. Cheaper trips,
1: cheaper that's, all-inclusives.
0: <laughs> actually, that's why they chose it because they didn't have the budget. Right. But the De Laurentiis family, who produced this, they're the ones who have, who bought the rights to Dune after Yudarowski's uh, production went you know went completely off the rails. They they wanted to film first in Europe, but they didn't have the money for it, so they did it in Mexico because they didn't have the money to film in in Hollywood. That's actually why Star Wars filmed in England and in Tunisia. They didn't have the money to film in uh, in Los Angeles. Also, it's easier to stay away from the press when you're not in freaking Los Angeles. But so then you know you get the the big attack. I'm not sure what there is to say about.
1: No, there's not much. I mean, no, just, they've they've explained it for 58 minutes. Yeah, and then now get, it's happening.
0: Yeah, and it's just lots of explosions. I didn't think the action was particularly well filmed. It's a lot of Atreides guys running around in their cocky uniforms with banners, which looks cool. they're running with the Atreides banners, and isn't it great? And we get to see you know Gurney Halleck with that stupid dog, Leto's pet dog, in his arms, screaming long,
2: leading a, leading a charge. I think the what idea the is it,
0: it's an act of. I think the idea is it's an act of. Of of loyalty, I will pro- I will protect your dog. Like i protecting gonna...
2: not protecting. A dog. I, I,
0: I know taking him into battle. I, think, I just think the idea is that he sort of probably scoops him up. I think it's just sort of this act of. I know it's a disadvantage to me, but look what look the lengths to which I will go. It's just it's a lot of explosions and and
2: I found them anticlimactic after, after the battles after an hour of explanation the battle was oh. It was a battle.
0: Yeah, and and it's funny because in the book there is—I mean, there is a battle, but you don't see it. Paul wakes up, uh, strapped to a a a stretcher. The battle's over. We don't see it in the book at all, but in the movie you gotta show that, and I think they did a shit job. Yeah, Um, like That's, that's
2: the other way to say it.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, like, the special effects are awful. It's really just a lot of bad explosions. Oh, put an explosion on the screen. That'll work. Because David Lynch had never done action, and I don't think he's ever done it since. And he did a terrible job. Like, it's almost like he needed to bring in another director.
2: I didn't notice. Did they have a Wilhelm scream for you?
0: No. I hate Wilhelm screams. You,
2: you mentioned that at a, t- yeah, a time no, or two. Oh, a
0: time or two. I fucking hate them. Uh, I, I think they managed to avoid it. David Lynch is not the sort of guy who would use a Wilhelm scream.
2: Just the, the, the cheesy explosions kind of...
0: Yeah. And, well, I mean, it's just that the, 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 they didn't spend any money on special effects.
1: Or any military, like, guidance at all. Because it was well, just chaos. A, it was just a chaotic Yeah, just attack. people running and yeah.
0: throwing them You never have any idea of what's going on. And these are the
1: on. elite emperor troops. Imperial the emperor troops. The yeah. Sardaukar versus,
0: you know, presumably a well-trained Atreides army. Yeah, you, like yeah. You, you, just get it. Just like masses of troops. It's you know I used to say about the Avengers film. I wonder if instead of storyboards, they filmed a the guy with like uh, like an Iron Man and a Thor figure just sort of crashing them together, going, and they just said, "Okay, make that for me." Because this is the same sort of thing. It's like the kid who takes his army man and just sort of smushes them together, making
2: yeah. The, the strategy is the well-known get them boys.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know. There's sort of a neat, like it's sort of a neat cinematic look to it. Like again, all these these guys running on ramparts with their with the flags, and it's cool with the music, which is which rocks. Yeah. But it's not a battle; it's just a bunch of scenes. Like if I played, if I mixed those scenes up, would you know? No. You know, I found that very frustrating. Like that, that and again, if this is I think is David Lynch trying to make a movie, he had no business making. Imagine someone like John McTiernan. Imagine what a better job he would have done. Or Jesus, even Michael Bay. Okay, Whoa. I take that back. Parents'
1: <laughs> right. favorite movies are the Transformer movies. You
0: better believe it.
1: So, that is Michael Bay, right? Unfortunately, yeah. Well, except for the good one that I
0: did the uh, the, the cartoon. Yeah, that was Nelson Shin, I believe. But yeah. So then we get to see you know again more gross Baron Harkonnen. and he spits on Jessica, and he does that because it's it's such a great insult to spit upon a a royal lady. But they make it gross
2: That's the so sound nasty.
0: effects and the. Thick, good. He doesn't like in most movies when you or in, in almost TV when they spit, this you don't. Horrible. It's just a little bit of spittle. Here it's this, it's a icky. It's he, like, gru- it's, it's slimy. He it. horks a loogie. There it is. The very <laughs> for our butter. American Ooh, means go ahead. It, Yeah, so a little horks, bit of a long buddy with It's it, on her, yeah. it's gross. Like it's really I. Um, <laughs> well, she gagged. You can hear you can hear the actress playing just yeah. got. She gags. It seemed like it was real. Uh, yeah, I don't blame her. Like, I'm, I'm, She's lucky she didn't puke, especially with the gag in her mouth. That would have gone badly for everyone. But, <laughs> um, but it's just, it's gross. Like, they, like David Lynch makes such an effort to make the Harkonnens gross. After a while, it's like, okay, we get it. He's gross. He's a pus bag.
2: Fine, he's nasty. Move on.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing. Uh, they did a much better job of portraying him in uh, the miniseries with Ian McNeese doing it
3: you wish now to join your wife is that a traitor she lives you wish to join her join her
0: you promised to be reunited you said you'd free her if i did what you asked
3: well i've done it so where is she your wife is free, my good doctor, completely free, free of her mortal coil, free of her physical cage. I freed her. I promise you, be reunited, and I'm a man of my word.
0: Where the same thing? He's the same guy. They actually show, us, uh, instead of this leather S&M shit that they have the uh, <laughs> the uh, Harkonnens here. Where in um, in the miniseries they dress them very Japanese. The soldiers look like armored high-tech samurai with guns and he wears like like like, the Baron Harkonnen wears a a suit a hover suit because he's 500 pounds or 600 pounds he can't walk so this thing keeps him so he doesn't he is in fact called the floating fat man that that's that's his snide nickname like no one likes this guy he's a a social reject but it's because he's creepy not because he's a puss bag in the in the miniseries he wears a kimono he's a perfectly refined guy he's just slimy and he likes little boys, so no one wants to deal with him. But again, David Lynch couldn't do that. So instead of making him someone you might actually be afraid of, they just make someone, like, you'd, you'd use hand sanitizer if you shook his hand.
2: Yeah, you don't sit next to that guy.
0: They just decided, let's go for gross. And I don't think it worked.
1: I and mean, kept building it up, making him more gross and more icky.
0: Yeah. He literally just wears a suit that makes him fly. But the, the, the costuming, he lost this poor, this poor actor lost, like, 40 pounds. He sweated it off. Nice. He was, I mean, they chose someone who was larger. He's like, you have to. You can't fake fat properly uh, with a fat suit and, and that sort of thing. So they had to choose someone who was, in fact, overweight. But this guy, I mean, it's just, ugh, it's gross. You know, and then, you know, we see them haul Jessica and Paul out into the desert. Uh, what they don't tell you is that uh, the Har- uh, Vladimir Harkonnen had actually promised um, Piter, the, the Mentat, had promised him that he could rape Jessica before he killed her. And he's, he's agitated that Vladimir goes back on his word. Like, that's the level of depravity that the Harkonnens are. You didn't have to get pussy and uh, icky and sweaty with them to make it so. Yeah, and off they fly and they cut their way loose. And we They, were...
1: they gag her because she's a witch. She, and well, they... she's got that voice, which is just a way of like... But, but they don't realize he has the voice too, too yeah. so he talks, yeah, pretty much. Don't touch my
3: mother. He's trying the voice. The Reverend Mother said it could save him. I'm over again. Excellent.
0: Cut my son's bond. Yeah. You, don't, you don't need to fight over me. So the one guy stabs the other. And, uh, these, and uh,
2: these are not the droids you're looking for. These are not the
0: droids you're looking for. Yeah, and that's really what it is. And it's funny because uh, Frank Herbert actually sued Lucas. Because he said, the you know, these are not the droids you're looking for. I was like, that's bullshit. That's the voice. But, and then, of course, the judge went, okay, Really? and that was the end of that but yeah Frank Herbert sued over that because remember this is from the 60s I promise you Lucas read those books yeah it's silly like in Dune it's someone who knows human psychology so well they know how to intone their voice in just such a way that you can't say no in Star Wars it's the foals spelled F-O-O-C-E the foals he's the foals yeah it's and then there's the scene with the tooth and again it's just sweaty angry guy yelling at sweaty half conscious guy and it's like
2: and he ends up
1: not killing the
0: Baron anyway.
2: He missed anyway.
0: Yeah, that actually happens in the book. Yeah, he, he's, he's a who's, little delirious. He's delirious oh, right. because he's over-drugged. Because um, you oh, eat drugs right. him too much. And so, yeah, when he thinks it's the Baron leaning in on him, it's actually pirate of race. And he's, he bites down on the tooth and kills him. And, yeah, that's actually in the oh, book. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, it's... um, Yeah, it, it is what it is. But And then you know we go back to Paul. And the language I found for Paul became very stilted very suddenly. We are now in the. We have now entered the time when all will seek our life. Like, Hula. Like how many fifteen-year-olds do you know? I can't wait for. I can't wait for Andy to come to you in ten years. We have entered the time when all will turn against us and seek our lives.
2: And that's <laughs> when I call the priest. Did he what? say it
0: in Latin?
2: Father Andrew. <laughs> yeah. The
0: right. power of Christ. Yes. Yeah, that's uh, and, and that's the thing. Like he, he suddenly it's like s- they flip a switch and suddenly this is a very different character. And I, I found like there's like there's clearly some character progression. They just forgot to you know, film it. Include it. <laughs> Include it. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. But yeah, it's
1: they were busy explaining everything. Yeah, they, they're too. Over they're, and over and over yeah. again. But that's
0: exactly it, isn't it? They're so busy explaining the plot and the situation, they forgot to sh- they forget to develop you know, the characters, develop <laughs> the characters, or show you anything. You know, there's an old there's an old rule in writing. Don't tell me, show me. Chekhov put it perfectly. Don't tell me the glass is broken. Show me the moon reflecting on the shard of broken glass. That's brilliant. In other words, show me. Don't tell me. All they do in this movie is tell you to the point where like at one point I was explaining something and we missed dialogue and then I had to go back and tell you that this whole movie's that. Mm-hmm. They're so busy explaining the plot to you they forgot to show you the goddamn plot. And yeah, we get to you know we, we get to see the uh, the worm, which is not good. Well, the worms themselves are actually pretty cool
2: effects. Yeah, I like the worms. But how it's they... Hammer's ev- worms. Well, not, not quite, quite,
0: but though. yeah, but yeah, it's a 500 meter monsters, but the special effects are so bad where they integrate humans onto anything. Like, you could see the black outline where they have... Right. In, like, like, it's sort of like where he's falling down a cliff face, like does that look like that looks fine? But where you see him falling straight down, did that look even a little bit realistic? Where he's falling and you see the ground rushing behind him, yeah. you know it's him standing there waving his arms with the fan blowing upwards, so his hair would flutter. Like it's, it's just bad. <laughs> Do We get to meet. Oh yeah, we get to meet the Fremen, led by uh, the angry major from uh, Heartbreak Ridge, who. The actor actually, Everett McGill, apparently has a super thick Louisiana accent. He does a pretty good job of hiding that here. But, you know, we get to meet the Fremen and we realize they don't have lasers. They just have pellet guns because they're in the desert. And remember in the, in the books, it's just knives. But very quickly, he learns, we get he gets a new name and we get to link up the prophecy because he keeps obsessing about this moon, this mouse shadow in a moon.
3: You have strength. You shall be known as Usul, which is the strength of the base of the pillar. This is your secret name in our troop, but you must choose the name of manhood, which we will call you openly. What do you call the mouse shadow in the second moon? We call that one Mordi. Could I be known as Paul Muad'Dib? You are Paul Muad'Dib. Okay.
1: He didn't (laughs) even go to the registry and change his name. Yeah. I
0: mean, it's neat. One thing they don't tell you is that Duncan Idaho has a... Duncan Idaho, before his death, has arranged for the Fremen to take Jessica and Paul in. They know they're going to have to hide him. That's why they've chosen these names for him. So the word Atreides is never going to slip their lips. And so that No one outside of his tribe, who of course they know who these guys are, no one else will realize this is Paul and Jessica Atreides. So that if some random Fremen is captured, all he can say is, I'm following Paul and Well, who's that? Uh, I don't
2: know.
0: Some some dude, he's some great leader. No connection, because remember, the the emperor is shocked. Holy shit, it's Paul? Um, (laughs) It's that Paul? That Paul. Well, remember, they all thought he's dead. We start to see something that they never really play upon, which is that these guys are hoarding, I love the thousands of deca Who the fuck speaks in deca-liters? Yeah. I, guess, I guess they decided metric didn't sound science fiction enough for American audiences. So instead of going with liters, they went with
2: deca deca-liters. decaliters is metric.
0: Well, it is, but how many... I'll take a deca of Coke, please. Or do you say, I'll take 10 one-liter bottles?
2: I've never
1: said either. Yeah, <laughs> if you could buy, can you buy them in 10? 10, 1 liter? Can I get 10 1 liter bottles? Don't they come in packs of 12? twelve? <laughs> twelve
2: doesn't it
1: doesn't work. That's why if yeah. they if they came in packs of ten, it would be ten deciliters of water. Yeah, but it, one deciliter. Yeah, but
0: imagine if you went, and you Jeepers. you ordered a bottle of water. How many liters do you want?
1: I want a deciliter.
0: <laughs> really? And what's that, sir? You know, as they reach for the you know the button under the uh, the button under the counter, you know, get the manager, get the manager. But yeah, it's it's one of those things. You know, David Lynch going, well, what sounds more science fiction-y than just metric? I know
1: metric, no one uses.
0: Okay, like we get to see there's a lot of water, and then we go back to the Harkonnens, and we get to see more grossness.
1: Yeah, you get to see him ickying about his nephew. Yeah, well, first we
0: see the beast for Bond tear the the tongue off a cow and eat it raw.
1: Oh yeah. Cause
0: that's the, Because remember, he's chewing and it's gross and the food's coming out of his mouth. And at one point the Baron Harkonnen actually reaches into his mouth and he's pulling the chewy meat out. And it's like, it, why? Like we get it. He's gross. The only pretty one here is fade Routh. And we learn that, yeah, like you say, uh, the Baron Harkonnen has an almost Trump Ivanka type admiration for fade. Um, Though in the book, fate actually tries to kill him. Uh, he puts a, a poison needle in the thigh of a male servant that he knows uh, Vladimir is going to molest that night. But the Vladimir's okay with that because oh, it's just the way the game is played. It's just more grossness. And then out of this steam bath comes Sting in his. You don't what? like Sting. You don't like Sting in a leather thong. No, I will kill him in my
2: thong. I was thinking of
1: buying one of those for Halloween this year. I'll, you I'll ring you my doorbell, dude, and trick or treat.
2: Oh, seriously, I'll pay you not to. <laughs>
1: Is that yeah. a trick or a treat? I well, don't know. she's going to pay
0: me not to repeat the phrases from that scummy guy <laughs> yeah. in, in uh, Roxanne. She's going to pay you not to, to wear the your, sting leather thong to
2: keep your clothes on.
0: <laughs> This is another one of these characters, like, they got Sting, and that probably would have been a big get in the 80s. He was probably
2: well-known by Oh, that, yeah, maybe? he was... Um, well, the I, police, had, right? I had friends with huge things for him. Really? Just okay. Posters the room. Yeah, and...
0: so they, they, they have him do this character, and I think he does an okay job. I think Mick Jagger would have done a better job just because he's a better actor. But they give him nothing to do here. Except come out in his thong. Well, yeah, he. we've seen him only a few times, and really all we know is that he's pretty.
2: Well, he's, he's fit, too.
0: He's really thin. He's really wiry thin. Actually, I wouldn't define that as thin. It's just really skinny. I don't think he's especially muscular, but... Like, they make a point in the book of showing what an athlete he is and what a great fighter with a blade he is, because that's, again, he's a gladiator. He, this is what he does for fun. He also cheats, but that's not the point, as we learn at the end with, the, you know, the, the poison blades and shit. But it's like, okay, he's pretty great. And this is actually, I think, where they... Where, where, with the internal dialogue, where the Baron Vladimir says... You know, once Raban has brutalized these people, I'll send them you, Pretty Fade, because that is in fact like, like if you saw in the credits at the end, they call Raban the Beast Raban, because that's actually what the Fremen call him, because he's a monster. He's needlessly brutal. They, you know, after after a year or so or six months or whatever it is under the gentle tutelage of the Atreides, the way to get them back, get get the Fremen back in line, is to send them, you know, send Raban to Governor Arrakis, and then. Replace him with someone much nicer, but again, how do we know that's All we know is he likes his steam baths and his his leather thongs. Mm. I don't know, man. This movie is less good every time I think about it. I just
2: and I, I like that it's not his music. I mean, I I like the police. They're they're great.
0: I wonder how this would have done with an actual rock soundtrack.
2: Yeah, but like to have Sting starring in it, music by Toto.
0: Yeah, that's that, Aww. That, that... But Toto does a good job. It's oh, really yeah. good. No,
2: I, I, I like Toto as well. They did a good job.
0: Yeah. And so then we go back and we learn that, you know, the, the they, they're going to turn Lady Jessica into a, uh, into a reverend mother and make her drink the water of life, which is the bile from a baby worm. They quite smartly left out the orgy that follows the scene because she transmits the water of life, spits it back out, and now the tribe may drink it safely. That's the ritual. Oh. And then there's an orgy, which they include in the miniseries, by the way. Oh. <laughs> it's 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 PG rated orgy, but it is in fact an orgy. But yeah, here they just only thing they show is that she's pregnant with a daughter, and the water of life messes the kid up, which by the way is why they call her an abomination, the daughter. Because she's not natural. Right. So she's what it is is she's able to absorb all the knowledge of mommy because that's what the water of life has done to her in the womb. And the kids won't play with her because well, she's really fucking creepy. My
3: brother is coming for you.
0: I want to see that kid show up in, uh, in,
2: um, in elementary school. Mm-hmm. Who are you? <laughs> I'm Alia, brother of Muad'Dib. <laughs> She'd be super impossible to play hide-and-seek with.
0: Yeah, she's creepy as fuck. Yeah, um, like- they did a good job on The Voice. Like They really do a good job of making this kid creepy. On Entertainment Tonight, after there was the controversy of the scene with her with the knife and the, the dead bodies in the background and she's got this smile... Entertainment Tonight brought the, the actress on. She was only like seven or so. And she's like this perfectly reasonable, well-adjusted, normal girl. In this movie, she's creepy as fuck. She's like the exorcist with with nun's robes. And then we get this bullshit with with Thufa Howard and the, the poison and then the cat he has to milk. And this is how the Harkonnens are to keep him around. Now, in fact, in, in the books, they did poison him. And in the end, he just runs off and he lets himself die. He lets the poison kill him.
2: Was the cat in the book, though?
0: No. The cat with the so. rat. None of that bullshit's in so there. The That's so weird. That's just... Th- well, remember, there's a rat attached <laughs> to the cat. That's the bullshit of the movie. In fact, what it is is that there is... There is an, the antidote will always be in his food. So if he ever tries to escape, they just... Or if he ever fucks with them, they, withdraw, they hold his food. But here's the thing. Remember, Hawat... Through for Howitt is property of Leto Atreides, and now because it's he's the spoils of war, he is the property of the Harkonnens. He theoretically should be their master of assassins, but the Harkonnens are paranoid, and they're never gonna. They hold him around as a like it's it's.
2: Well, they're they're down theirs anyway, so.
0: Yeah, but they keep... They, let's be honest. They keep him around because, haha, look what I got. The, the famous Thufur hawa the master of assassins, who's kept me from killing three generations of Atreides.
2: Here's your heart plug, by the way.
0: Yeah, and that heart plug, that's also just the movies. This idea that they can immediately kill you by unplugging your heart and you bleed out. That's bullshit from the movie. That's more... Icky to be icky. Again, I don't get... I Unfortunately, because David Lynch doesn't talk about this movie, we're never going to get the insight into this shit. I hope one day he he sits down and writes a book about his experience writing, you know, doing this movie because I'd love to get an explanation for a lot of the shit, like a lot of his choices, you know, and it's just, yeah, whatever. So now we see, you know, Chaney and, or Chaney and in the mini the series, they, they pronounce it Chaney. And they also pronounce Harkonnen, Harkonnen mm-hmm. and the fate of Kiener, Um They, a lot, what it was is they, 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 their cast um, was all European so they came with 50 different accents. <laughs> the, the, uh, the pronunciations are a little different. But Charney and Paul fall in love. Remember, he's like 15, 15 16. But she probably is too. Yeah. So I guess, whatever. And then, you know, Paul announces, I'm going to train your warriors. And this also is a funny scene where he introduces them to these sound guns. He says, this obelisk is your your hardest stone. Kick it. Punch it. Yell at it. at it.
3: Arato. This obelisk is of your hardest stone.
2: Kick it. Hit it.
3: Yell at it. (laughs) Break! (laughs) Korba, cut it.
0: Funny, you know and it's a and it's a neat demonstration even though these sound laser guns are stupid as hell it's a i think it's a neat scene mm-hmm. and it shows these it's the, you know i think it's the only time anyone laughs in this whole damn film yeah. like they, they generally find it funny they all have a good group laugh is there any other humorous moment anywhere in this grim film this guy Corbin, the one with the cutting tool, they say, "Don't oh, cut the obelisk." Oh, look, you can't. It's funny in the in the other books. He's a real guy. and He becomes one of the keen and then he becomes a high priest in the the religion of Muad'Dib, and a high ranking member of, of Paul's government, and then tries to assassinate him. So they bury him alive in the desert uh, with scorpions. But uh, yeah, things go badly for Corbin. You know, it, it's kind of neat. And then we learn, you know, the thing where someone calls out the name Muad'Dib, and it turns out it's a killing word because it sets off the guy's gun. And totally wrecks the ceiling, goddammit. it! <laughs> God. He takes a whole chunk out of that ceiling. Like, how many generations did it take to carve that out of the rock? Yeah. And this douchebag just destroys the ceiling as he held his gun up. Don't you know? You're always supposed to keep your barrel to the ground. Did these guys not get... Dis- did they not go through army basic training in the Canadian forces?
2: Clearly not.
0: Clearly not. And then, your favorite scene. So, why... What is it about... Like, you know, when Paul has to tame a worm. What is it about that scene that you love so much?
2: Uh, I just like the worms. Um... I'm a I'm a nature loser, so any time the, the fauna gets interesting, I'm in.
0: It's just that simple?
2: Yep. Fair enough. Okay. Nothing deep there. I like I like creatures. You like worms? <laughs> yeah, they're alright.
0: Do you like worm poop? How,
2: not if it's addictive.
0: How about consciousness expanding, you'll live for 300 years, worm shit? You get to oh, that?
2: No, no. No? No.
1: I need some.
0: I am not interested in eating worm poop of any sort. Also, if you tried to ride the worms here on Earth,
1: it'd be a quick ride.
3: They where did. you have to
0: get, like, 20,000 of them, you know, on your toboggan and go... Whoosh, onward, worms! No, it doesn't work that way. You know, I think the special effects here worked actually quite well, because so many of the effects just don't. But here, you know, he gets up close <laughs> to the worm, and it's clearly a, pr- a practical effect
2: of... Yeah, yeah, actually, pride apart.
0: Pride apart a part of worm, and, you know, he gets on top, and
2: it actually... It was good. It was great until they all started climbing up and they stood beside each High-fiving other, high fiving and like <laughs> meaningful like, grins. And, uh, but you know. I,
0: I was neat because so he's become a man. Like I said, it's the Fremen bar mitzvah. He's now a, an adult of the tribe. Even yeah, though, yeah,
2: but the deep long looks, the the male bonding, oh. and the green screen, and like oh,
0: I didn't. I didn't mind the smile, just the idea that look, I did it. I'm one of you now.
1: Join me on top of my worms.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I, I don't know. Maybe I just thought that was neat. I thought the music was fabulous in that scene, like the triumphant. With the, with the choir in the background and him. Yeah.
2: You yeah, know, the music was good. The worm was good.
0: Yeah. Maybe the, it's just him, a guy. The, I, the
2: green screen was so bad. Oh, yeah, the
0: green screen is bad. But I had no problem with that. I, I had no problem with him looking at Stilgar, the leader of his tribe, which is Siech Tabar, if you're curious. Sitch is what they call their underground hideouts. And Tabar is the name of their particular hideout. Mm-hmm. So Stilgar, who is the leader of the Fremen, he's the tribal chieftain.
1: You i has love- got
0: all this stuff rattling around up there, don't you, Farron? Someone once asked me, how much history do you know? I said, I've forgotten more than you'll ever know.
1: Yeah, and in addition, crazy. I have all this, you know. The, Did you yeah. read all of this, like, yesterday or? Uh, I read Dune
0: only once, and it was grade nine, so that would be 1990. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> you, you know a lot about Dune. Yeah. You, like, and nothing,
1: like nothing compared to what some people. Like a kid in a candy store over there? Yeah.
0: It's, it's, but it's kind of neat that, like, I, I like that he looks at Stilgar. He sort of looks at him and was like, I'm a man now. They they leave it off here. They, they covered more in the in the mini series that a lot of Fremen won't follow him because he's not a man in the tribe yet. He has to do this because no one... Like, you're just some outsider. But once he learns to ride the worm, he starts to bring in the other sieges, the other tribes.
2: That's a problem with their timeline again. Because I thought it was like a day.
0: Yeah, it looks like it does. Well, I mean, you get the impression when they said, you know, the daughter grows and Chani's love for
2: yeah but yeah you don't like have, have a quick nap change your clothes we'll go do this
0: yeah you, you get the impression maybe it's a, a days or weeks or something like that and at one point they talk about for the next two standard years that's irrelevant that was, talking That that's was later. after.
2: that was later that was well, in fact
0: that's the next scene
2: after he rides the worm yeah then it, he wages war for two years yeah but the time between he's rescued and then he teaches them the gun and then he rides the worm you get the impression
1: it's a few days it's like it's like G.I. Joe training. Yeah. In that movie where they train in 20 hours.
0: Yeah, and, and here's the thing though, it's it's uh like it's it's months. It's months and months and months of him learning. They spend time teaching them how to walk, how to wear your suit, how to dress, how to conserve water. Like, there's this whole education. They said, like, you're adults, we're having to teach you what any two year old in our tribe knows. But you're right, here it's like, well, that was yesterday. Today, you'll be a warrior. Tomorrow, bar mitzvah without the kipas and the and the bad music. Like I said, in the in the book, the Fremen won't fall. Fo- many Fremen will not follow him until he rides the worm. In fact, the only reason Stilgar is willing to follow him at all is because he trusts Duncan Idaho. And Duncan Idaho said he's a good Paul's a good man. Also because of the whole religious thing, they think he's a Messiah. Which is yeah, he he's got a big worm. He's got a big worm. <laughs> you know what
1: they say about a guy with a big worm. Yeah, I don't
0: want to know. Yeah, and so like for the next two standard years and you only know, we learn he's He's attacking the, you know, the, the spice harvesting. And we learn that the beast, you know, Rabban doesn't understand why. And they sort of blow this one by that they even miss the uh, line where he says, don't shoot the smugglers. And, and Stilgar says, oh, it's too bad. I thought they were Harkonnen. Mm-hmm. They just blow by that, that there are smugglers on board who are smuggling spice. He's, you know, I'm sorry, if that's life. There are criminals. And, and this is where Gurney Halleck has just accepted he's going to be a smuggler. And he bumps into Paul by accident. And they burn through that in, what, 10 seconds? hmm Gurney Halleck is someone he's known since he's a baby. Yeah. He calls him you young pup. He's essentially... He is more of a father than Leto ever was. And they just blow by it. It's like, this was important. Like, they also miss the part that when they get back to the siege after he bumps into Gurney, Gurney tries to kill Jessica. Because the Harkonnens let it, let it out as a rumor that Jessica was the traitor. Oh, right. That she betrayed... Because he doesn't trust Benny Gesserit. He never has. He's never trusted Jessica. And so when he hears the rumor spread by the Harkonnens, he goes after Jessica. And it has to be explained to him. No, no, it was Yui. Here's the proof. Here's the letter he sent, which is not, not in the... It was a letter or something like that. But yeah. The point is they blow... They they, they spend all this time on, on these scenes that don't matter. And the scenes that do matter for character, they do, ah, do that in five seconds, you know? Yeah. And then we get to go back to the throne room and and see uh, the uh, guild translator who seems to have a little bit of an infection in his head, more than last time as I recall. Like he's all gooey on the side and he's got a bloody nose and
2: he's turning into a Borg.
0: Yeah, he looks kind of Borgish, doesn't he? With the tubes, he seems in much worse condition than we saw him in the beginning of the the movie.
2: It's it's been a stressful couple of years.
0: I guess so. Yeah, he looks he looks like maybe he took a shot to the head or something. Yeah. And we realize that you know I, I think that what they're trying to show with this scene, which is not in the book, is that the this is you know the, the empire the emperor and his government have started to figure out that the Harkonnens are losing control of the situation, despite the fact that Raban has been hiding this from the Vla, you know, from Vladimir Harkonnen. V, you know the Baron is way too smart; of course, he knows what's going on, but he's pretending not to notice because he keeps waiting for his his nephew to sort this shit out. But now it's made its way to the emperor, which is bad. And then we get the scene where he takes the water of life. And remember I mentioned this is the one scene that Frank Herbert had always said he liked better in the movie than he did in the book. In the book, Paul just sneaks off on his own, drowns a baby worm, literally pours, like holds it up, and the thing, and and the body, like if it vomits up its bile, and he drinks it. And he goes into a coma for weeks and weeks. Because he's transmuting just as his mother did. But here, it's like they're out in the desert, and all these worms show up and they raise around them and the the, the
2: oh, it was it was well done I like that oh was, yeah, yeah And the
0: Fatakin like these Fremen, his personal guard with you know harkonin blood on their shoulders they kneel in prayer and it's they're not attacking they're not but that's cool like it's obviously it's very spiritual spiritual which doesn't work with the book because here they recognize religion is about keeping the masses happy ritual is about education it's not like, there's no belief in an actual God. No one who is in a position of power thinks religion is anything other than a means of control. Like, that's why there are Bene Gesserit among the Fremen, because the Bene Gesserit sent their sisters out into the universe and seeded every little group of humans with the Bene Gesserit so they could control the, where in the universe you went. You would have some... The Bene Gesserit would have some measure of control. Which, right. is, which by the way, is why she's accepted. Because one of the things they say is, you know, people will come from the outer world. Every little, every little enclave of humans has a messiah complex because the Bene Gesserit baked that in. It's all games. It's all a game. So there's no actual religion like in the movie. There's no holiness. He doesn't, through his great glory, he doesn't make it rain on Arrakis. (laughs) The religion is how it's like this is, this is the long game. This is a thousand year old plan to give. The Fremen's a religion that will make sure that if any you know, if any fleeing Bene Gesserit needs to take safe harbor among the Fremen, she's good to go. It's baked right in. It's actually quite clever. But here they make it a religious thing, because let's be honest, if the if the worms that actually come across these guys in the desert lunch or snack, it is a neat scene. I mean, it gets a little weird when all the Bene Gesserit we see have bloody noses, but they realize he's drinking. He's drank water. For all life. his
2: relatives. Hmm.
0: Well, his re- well Lady his Jessica sister,
2: has- his mother and his grandmother.
0: Yeah, I never thought of that. Yeah, Helen Reverend Mother Gaius Helen Mohem. Gaius by the way is a male name.
2: So I didn't but, know where she fit until you explained that.
0: That she's yeah, she is if,
2: if she's his grandmother then that then that fits.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Remember she and the Baron Harkonnen and Jessica who then has yeah. Paul and 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 Alia, who by the way goes by the name Alia in the books is called Saint Alia of the Knife because of that scene. Cool. But the idea is that Fremen warriors sweep the battlefield, they keep pushing forward, and women and children come behind them with knives and slit the throats of survivors. Yeah. And they take their water. They take the body, and they squeeze out all the water. That, so it's neat, and this is where he yells, you know, there's this, this, is this theme where, you know, where, where his father had said, if you don't experience something new, something sleeps inside you, and the sleeper must awaken. And he keeps alluding to the sleeper, and him having now taken the water of life, he screams to the sky...
3: Father! Father! The sleeper has awakened!
1: And from then on in, it's like the final battle. Yeah, yeah. They gotta go take back the yeah temple.
0: Well, yeah, the, the, well, the castle. The castle. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah and, and, and we see the holy warriors. If you notice, they all have, they, they're having like, they had those big red crosses. Mm hmm. I don't think Christianity is a religion in this book. They, the, empire, the Empire has one large religion, and their holy book is called the Orange Catholic Bible. But Catholic doesn't mean... Catholic is actually... Well, I'm sure you know the Latin word for universal. Yeah. Catholic doesn't mean Christian. We assume it. I mean, we take it to mean that. If I say you're a Catholic, I don't mean you're a universal no, but you are a member of the Roman Catholic that's, Church. That's
2: one connotation. The other one, the yes, actual definition. The
0: Roman Universal Church. Like, they all follow the religion, and their book is the, it's called the Orange Catholic Bible, which I don't think they ever explain. Here they use, like, you can see the crosses there. I don't think, like, I, I think, again, that's just David Lynch going, fuck, it's religion, show a cross, whatever.
2: Yeah, stick like something, and people will recognize.
0: Yeah, and, and the irony is, is that the Fremen clearly are meant to be allegories of Arabs, of Muslims. Oh yeah. A lot of the language the Fremen use, uh, he got from Arabic, and he, he modified the words. But a lot of it's a lot in in the books they speak a lot more Fremen. That's the name of the language too. It's really just Arabic. Hey, he went with what he did. Like I said, Herbert was a genius writer. Like I recommend this book absolutely. Yeah, and then we learn that, you know, the, the Emperor has shown up on Arrakis and he's shown up. He's had enough of this shit. He has the Beast Raban's head on. Oh, the, the stake. And I don't remember if that's how it was in the book. I know in the miniseries, he winds up getting isolated during the battle through the streets in the Frem and the Fremen tear him apart. But I don't remember whether he's executed or not. I honestly don't remember. But the Baron comes up and that's where Alia has sort of shown up at the gates and.
3: Emperor, I'm afraid my brother won't
0: be very pleased with you. Red rum, red rum. <laughs> They're just ten types of creepy there. It's like they said, give me the twins from Shining and Reagan from The Exorcist and make her six years old. <laughs> and, put like, her, yeah. and put her in the movie. Like, she's <laughs> creepy as hell. You know, and she goes in and, you know, at the same time you see thousands of friends. by the way, they use that many extras.
1: Oh, for that This is
0: you. not... Like when you see all these hundreds of people in the background, there is no CGI there. This is well before that would have been possible, and it's not drawn. They had that many guys out there in those black rubber suits. At least it was at like, nighttime. But they showed them in the day a lot, too. They had a oh, lot yeah. of problems with people passing out. Because they did this in Mexico, Mexican desert, in the summer. Yeah. What must the temperature have been? 35 degrees? Hot. Well, 30, they Humid.
2: They said it was like 325 Kelvin, didn't they?
0: Yeah, but that was just a bad, (laughs) bad side thing you (laughs) see in the movie.
2: 75 or 80 C. That's that's great. Is that what that is? I think so, yeah.
0: Okay, Google. What is 325 degrees Kelvin in Celsius?
3: 325 Kelvin's equal 51.85 degrees Celsius.
0: That's warm. And Dune is ridiculously hot. It is. But I have no idea what the Mexican desert is. I'm pretty sure it's not 51 degrees. Point is, it's really hot, and these poor guys in these costumes were just dying. Like I said, the guy who played Baron Vladimir Harkonnen lost 40 pounds wearing that fat suit. That must have been just hell. Like, I think of um, the guy who wore the Predator suit in the Mexican jungle, and it's all rubber. By the way, you know, he was the second one. At first, it was Jean-Claude Van Damme and a really bad... Oh. Uh, they painted it uh, red, the equivalent, because of your know, green background in, in, in the You're jungle. You're kidding. You didn't know that, oh,
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: He was pissed and he quit. And uh, then they they brought in Stan Winston, who's a great creature effects guy, and he did the Predator we see. But yeah, it's like I, I just imagine these people filming in Mexico in these rubber suits. Like, how's the casualty rate not double digits? Yeah, you, you know, like I, you you couldn't pay me enough to be an extra in a movie like this. I'm sure the guys in the background were just wearing cloth, right? Like, why would you bother? Because, but those suits were monstrous because they were thick rubber, multi layered. And then again, we get to see the attack on,
1: on the palace. Could you follow that battle other than. Mm. Well, then they were just kind of in the. They nuked hall.
2: some stuff. Yeah, they, well,
0: yeah, they, they, yeah, they nuked the shield wall, which is like the edge of the crater. They
1: had some worms break through some walls.
0: Well, yeah, they go through the pass in the wall.
1: And then.
2: Then there was more running around. There's more running, and a lot of
0: and shooting. And then they were and,
1: standing in the temple. Yeah, and, and then it's over. Yeah. Like in the yeah. room with all the people. But, and
0: and I, the, the, the special effects really fell down there. Like, those were some bad... Like, there's one where you see Chani at the front of the worm shooting, and you could tell that they hadn't thought to film that with the extras. So they had some B-roll footage of a bunch of Fremen just shooting, and they put her in the front of the screen, and you can see the black outline around her. It was so bad. It was so... Like, yeah, it was...
2: Like, the fire, you could tell it was a cell stuck in the
0: front. Yeah, it was just one image in front of another. It was... Yeah, it was pretty bad. Like, the, that's the one thing that blows my mind. With all the money they spent... like. 40 million bucks is not a cheap film in 1980s.
1: (laughs) That's, that's more than the Star Trek. Top Gun was 15 million.
0: Commando was 10 million. Star Trek IV was $25 million. Made 107 million, if you're curious. So there's bang for your buck. But think of the special effects and all of the sets and all of that that went into Star Trek IV, even though they could film that one mostly around San Francisco. Now look at this one that costs so much more. And yeah, they had to build everything. But just the visual effects just... uh, The term is, they shit the bed. Alia kills the Baron, which is exactly how it happens in the book. She stabs him with a garm-jabar, this needle on the end of your finger. It looks like a thimble. It looks like a really expensive thimble with a needle on it. I wouldn't want to scratch myself with a needle. And there's There's this stupid fight. It looks terrible. And then it ends with how it does in the book, which is, you know, the the Fremen gather the, the captured Emperor... And Fade Ratha, who's now the head of his house, is, you know, the Baron's dead. He winds up in the, the belly of a worm, which I believe is how it worked in the book. And there's the duel, and it ends just like it does in the book, that Fade uses a bl- hidden blade in his stomach, somewhere among all that S&M gear, and Paul does a cool maneuver and jams the thing into his throat. And and That's then day. And then that movie just goes right off the rails, and he commands it to rain. Yeah, it doesn't happen in the book. The book ends on a very feminist note, actually, because he says, I'm going to marry Irulan. You, emperor, are going to retire, so I get to be the new emperor. And Cheney says, well, I can't. Now I can't marry Paul. And Jessica, who, of course, herself was not married, says, history will call us wives. That's actually the last line of the book. The recognition that politics aside, history will call us wives. It's It's actually a very feminist novel in its own weird way, because Frank Herbert really isn't. Jessica has... Leto just has to be honest. Jessica has to be smart. You know, Mm -hmm. Paul is born to be what he is, but to be Paul's, you know, concubine, mother of his children, all that, she has to be smarter than Irulan, who will be his wife. And that's the whole second book. The battle of the wills between Princess Irulan, who narrates this thing, and Janie. There's the movie with the rain and everything. And, you know, and, and the credits where they show you pictures of these guys and give you their names, which... I think they should have started with. That no, would have helped. So what do you guys think of this? Like we've gone through this in a lot of detail, but I don't mind because it's our season opener. So let's have fun. So any final thoughts you want to give on this? We're going to wrap this up. Um,
1: you uh, you know a lot about it and it's, uh, it's an interesting... Uh, it's but I don't want you to rate me. No, no, I know. It's an interesting... Um, yeah, I can totally appreciate uh, why... You have such a separation in the movie, mm-hmm. um, whereas for me, who doesn't really know it, and I'm hearing you talk. I'm like, okay, I guess I can see why there's a separation for you. Yeah, for me, it was a good, it was a good movie. Yeah. I thought that, uh, you know, if I were to just watch this by myself, I would get it. Well, sort of, mostly, yeah. mostly I would get it. Yeah. I'd be able to watch it and say, ah oh, it was a good movie." Whatever, move yeah. on with my life. Um, watching it with you, I do see why that separation exists and why yeah. there were there was maybe so much controversy around yeah. it. And so well, on, the controversy
0: so around this movie was mostly that it was bad. Like people want to go. What the fuck am I watching? Right. But yeah, among the the nerds who've read it, it's a different controversy. <laughs> but so that's pretty much so, it. Yeah. So you liked it? Okay. What about you?
2: Give you it know? like a three point nine. Uh, like you said, the 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 scenes were good. The music was good. Uh, the book was good. So yeah.
0: Fair enough. Well, like I said, it's like Bram Stoker's Dracula, which came out in, it was a 92, I think that came out. I love everything about it except the script. Right. Yeah, exactly. It was beautiful. It, it, the music was awesome. The The costuming was incredible. The sets were awesome. The special effects was amazing. But, Jesus, maybe they should have just gone with, you know, the book Dracula. But what do I know? Uh, and same with here. It's like, I actually like this less than I did when I even watched it two weeks ago to prepare for this. I'm so fed up with them explaining, and then explaining some more, and explaining some more. Like, we got a 40-minute lesson on a plot instead of showing us the plot. You know, the miniseries, I get it. They spent two hours covering what this film spent an hour and a half covering. But they still showed way more. It wasn't just that they doubled it over and showed the same scenes but longer. They showed more, and they explained less, and they did a more effective job of it. And this movie, I found, I got sick and tired of it telling me, hey, here's what this means. Oh, and hey, here's what these guys are up to. Oh, and hey, like... with it was someone, like watching it in class. I had a prof once who used to... We were watching The Mission, a really good Jeremy Irons, Robert De Niro film, and I kept pausing it to explain. Like, I'm watching it. You don't need to explain it to Get me. Get that. Just shut up. You know, like, like for this, it's different. I'm trying to give you context because we're going to talk of about it. Of course, film, yeah. Yeah, but, but it's,
2: it's different when it's you doing it.
0: As opposed to... The some,
2: movie's doing it yeah. itself. Yeah. Uh,
0: you ever see the Tim Burton um, Planet of the Apes, which is really bad?
2: Some of it. Yeah. I, I um,
0: it, it's really awful. And I, I remember what I didn't like about it is I felt like Tim Burton, the director, was sitting beside me in the theater, elbowing me going, "Uh, uh, Planet of the Apes, uh." Uh-huh. You see, like, aren't I cool there when he says damn dirty ape? Aren't I cool? Aren't I cool? Aren't I clever? See what I did? See, and after a while, like I said, I, I, I even said at the time, I felt like my arm was sore from Tim Burton nudging me. I got sick of him winking at me, you know, through the film. And this is almost the same thing. Stop explaining it to me.
1: Yeah, I get it. it.
0: Yeah, let me watch it. You know, like even in Lord of the Rings, where they do a lot of exposition, like the extended edition of Lord of the Rings, that trilogy is 12 hours. Yeah. They spend a... It's, it's, so it's, it's, it's wonderful. So it's absolutely wonderful. Whereas with The Hobbit being nine hours, oh my God. Um, there's an edit out there called uh, There and Back Again. It's three hours, and it's just the book. And by the way, it's wonderful. Um, it's a fan edit, and it's excellent. But with this one, it's like... They, like With Lord of the Rings, they, they keep... They, they manage to explain everything. You never don't know the lay of the land. But they don't spend it all having characters talk at each other or look at the screen and say, let me tell you about the rings, Rami. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, the Lothlorien? Let me tell you why they're different than Rivendell. They just show you. And if you don't figure it out, oh well. But you're going to figure it out. Why are these elves different than the ones in Rivendell? What, you know, what, what's the deal with this versus that? Like They're just going to show it to you. As much as I love this film, I hate the script because I got sick of it trying to teach me about Dune. Yeah, yeah fair enough. And it's just, it's just, nah. so I I can't give it a passing grade. I got to give it a failing grade. I got to give it like two out of maybe I'll give it two and a half just because it's so beautifully filmed. Yeah, I'd have to except go with, these special you know,
1: effects. I think three and a half to four for me. I think yeah. it was entertaining enough for someone who's never watched it. And then yeah. that, part of that could be like if I were to watch this without you. Mm-hmm. I might not might have enjoyed it more. I might not have enjoyed it as much actually. I, it I think that makes sense the first yeah, time you see it. Yeah. yeah. So, But no, it was good and thank you for being our Farron. <laughs> I'm I'm the shadow to Maves, the right? housekeeper. Yeah. Okay, yeah. and we'll we'll leave it
0: there. And let's go write some worms now. Yeah. No thanks. <laughs>